Welcome to the Business and Personal Development Podcast with Chris Haroon, where you'll find tips on how to take your career to the next level. Next level. Welcome to our 164th weekly webcast. Now, before I get started, I want to invite you to a 20-hour, two-day seminar called How to Invest in Options from Scratch. And the seminar is going to be a two-day event. Day one will be tomorrow, which is Friday, December 3rd, from 8 a.m. Pacific time until 6 p.m. Pacific time. Then day two will be on Saturday, December 4th, from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. So in this 20-hour event, I'm going to teach you from scratch everything you need to know about options and how to go long or short stocks and options and so much more. Now, I'm doing this because I just released my most ambitious course ever, which is called the Complete Options Course. And if you purchase the course today on my website, and I'll give you the web address in a second, but if you purchase the course today on my website, you can attend the two-day event called How to Invest in Options. It's a seminar that I'll be doing on YouTube Live. Now, in order to purchase tickets uh, for the event, uh, which includes the course, of course, uh, please go with me here to this web address. So I'm going to go to learn.haroonventures.com. So that's learn.haroonventures.com. And um, anyone that buys the course right here, this guy here, anyone that buys the course uh, today will be able to also attend the two-day option seminar event that starts tomorrow, okay? And if you did the gold or platinum uh, version of my one-year MBA degree program uh, back in 2019 or in 2020 or in 2021, or if you've paid for the next gold or platinum class that starts January 10th, 2022, then you can attend the event tomorrow for free, okay? So give me one second to just tee this up here. I've got another special surprise for you coming up in a minute. All right, cool. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the trailer for the complete options course uh, in a second. And if you already purchased my gold or platinum MBA program, you can email us at support at haroonventures.com and we'll send you free access to the YouTube live uh, two-day seminar. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play the uh, promotional trailer uh, for tomorrow's event and Saturday's events, okay? Uh, and if you have any questions at all at, about this event, please let me know here by typing here in the YouTube chat. Thank you. Everyone needs to understand options, including investors, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and CFOs, because it affects all of our lives. And options can make us a fortune or help to protect us from losing everything. Now, when you invest in stocks, it's offensive as you're trying to make money. But when you invest in options, it's offensive and defensive as you can protect your money as well. And did you know that the size of the global options and derivatives markets is six times bigger than the size of all stock markets? In this course, I will teach you from scratch everything you need to know about options so you can take your investing game to the next level. I will also provide you with many comprehensive and fun-to-use Excel spreadsheets so that you can thoroughly enjoy, understand, and practice investing in options from scratch with me.
Now, I've used options a lot in my career. When I worked at hedge fund giant Citadel, also when I worked at Goldman Sachs in the venture capital sector, uh, and as a student, when I did my MBA in finance from Columbia University, where I humbly got the top grade in my class uh, in my options course. Now, I love to teach based on my real life practical experience and to make options very easy and so much fun to learn in this very comprehensive course. And no prior knowledge of options or stocks or how to invest is required to take this course, as there are three tracks, meaning three different ways to take this course. There's a beginner track, a genius track, meaning an advanced track, and there's also a very comprehensive all track where students can watch all beginner and genius level lesson videos and exercise videos, plus many optional lessons and exercise videos. Now, this course contains hundreds of videos, and there are so many ways to take and benefit from many or all of the lectures in this course. And, and I want you to think of me as your very humble waiter. And when you go to a restaurant, you only order what you're interested in on the menu. Now, in this course, the menu items include everything you need to know about options, as well as many additional topics like how to go long or short a stock or options, long and short as well, or commodities or ETFs, or what are other derivative products like swaps, futures, forwards, and how to do fundamental or valuation or technical-based analysis on stocks and companies, and how to learn statistics and data analysis from scratch in order to take your investing game to the next level. There's a lot to it. I even teach you in an optional section how to use Excel from scratch, as I've used Excel on Wall Street, in the consulting industry, and in the hedge fund industry and venture capital sectors as well over a couple decades. I'm clearly dating myself there. So this very comprehensive options course is several courses in one. Now in this course, I provide you with mini Excel spreadsheets so you can learn everything you need to know about options, including an introduction options, how to value options using three different valuation methodologies. And there's also more than 35 strategies in the third part of this course that we'll create together that use either one, two, three, or four options in a single strategy. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with the basic building blocks of options and we'll build upon what we've learned together using many very fun props until we have this incredible aha moment and it all makes perfect sense. Now there's a 30 day money back guarantee on this course. So you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. This will be easy and fun, and I'll see you in class. Thank you. Now, before I take uh, your other questions, um, um, what I'm going to do is I have an incredible guest that I'm going to introduce in a second. And actually, I see a quick question here about the options course. Sorry, one second. Uh, yeah, it only applies if you purchase it from my, my website for the two-day event. Okay. Now, before I take your other questions uh, about other business topics or questions you have, I see there's questions about China today. Uh, I assume I'm going to get a lot of questions about Jack Dorsey. Uh, and also, I want to touch upon later on uh, why Square just renamed themselves Block, which is brilliant. And of course, Facebook did the same thing uh, by renaming themselves Meta, which is brilliant as well. And speaking of Meta, I have an incredible guest that I'm going to interview in a second. Now, his name is Todd Martin, and I'm honored to have him in my Platinum MBA program this year. 
Now, Todd created CNBC's first television studio, and he also created the technology that we see on sports highlights on, on television. So wh whenever you watch replays on, on television of a home run, okay, and how far a ball went, for example, and how fast it went, that's the technology that Todd actually uh, worked on. Uh, he found it. Um, so you see those little trailers behind the ball. He did that. And what he also did is Todd Martin created uh, the technology that Walt Disney Company uh, uses uh, in their movies when it comes to the trailer behind Tinkerbell as well and Tinkerbell's flying. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so Todd was also an entrepreneur during Internet 2.0 when he co-founded a software-as-a-service cloud-based company. It's a content creation suite uh, for producers company called Axis, which has done incredibly well. And so Todd is also uh, a metaverse and an NFT expert. And he recently went to a conference on the topic of Web 3.0 and the metaverse. And Gary Vaynerchuk and many other media celebrities were there. And Todd is going to share with us what he learned. And he'll also teach us all about the metaverse from scratch. And so it's my honor and my privilege to introduce to you my good friend, Todd Martin. Give me one second to set up Zoom here. I'll bring Todd on the call. All right, here we go. Todd, how are you, man? Oops, hold on a second. I muted you. That's my fault. I muted you before. There we how go. How are you? I'm good. How are, what's going on, buddy? Oh, just a uh, just, uh, beautiful day here in New York. Excellent, excellent. So I, I'm looking forward to hearing about uh, NFTs and, 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 and Web 3.0, but I want to share something with you first. Sure. So people ask me quite often, because I'm, I'm holding this seminar a week from tomorrow on how to sell anything. So people ask me, sell me this pen. So ask me, sell me this pen. Chris, sell me that pen. It's, <laughs> it's, it's an NFT. <laughs> There's yeah. great utility now that, that, that was, it's an NFT. Yeah, that was my mic drop. Pretty cool. <laughs> All right, excellent. Right. Dude, it's, it's, it's so great to have you, man. Thanks for joining. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So wh where are you based? Beautiful backdrop there. Uh, I'm here in Rockville Center in, on Long Island. So we're basically one train stop from uh, from Manhattan. Very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Cool. Well, I, we'd love to learn from you uh, about the metaverse. Um, and so um, if you want to jump into a presentation. Uh, yeah, let, me, let me pop open my presentation here. Stand by one second. Yeah, take your time. And while Todd's getting set up, if anybody has any questions on the metaverse, uh, please, uh, please type your questions in the chat. Uh, and after Todd is done presenting, what this NFT metaverse thing is, uh, then we'll take your, your questions there. Okay, so g give me one second here. Now, hey, Todd, do you want to share the uh, the other view? So uh, it's so I, I see the the speaker view there, and and I, I this happens to me all the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to uh, uh, take control of your computer and help you? Uh, sure. All right. Hold on a second. Okay. Let me first of all install um, a virus. Okay, just kidding. That was awful dad humor, brother. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so usually uh, what, what I do is I go uh, use slideshow here. There we go. Okay, great. Excellent. So I'll, I'll let you take control. Um, but then I can't see my notes. <laughs> oh, you oh you can't that way. Okay. You know, yeah, well, the last time we did this, I was able to uh, see notes. See both. Okay. All right, here's what we'll do then. All right. So, um, okay, do it the way you want to do it. And I'll, cro okay. I'll crop it within uh, Wirecast. 
so that okay. everybody can see it. Okay. And, Perfect. And, and while you're setting it up, set it up the exact same way. Hit escape and start again. Um, okay. And, and let me just, um, yeah, there you go. So stop me from controlling. So while, yeah. while we're setting up, I'm going to show everybody uh, Wirecast here. Okay. Uh, and what I'm doing tomorrow uh, and on Friday is I'm going to be teaching this options course from scratch. And so you'll see here I have thousands of lectures, okay, or of uh, hundreds of videos. So we're going to do hundreds of videos tomorrow. And what I'll also do is um, I I'm actually going to uh, be doing over 200 Q&A sessions tomorrow and on uh, Saturday. So the way it's going to work is I'm going to play a video from the course. And then I'll stop and I'll take questions. And it's very interactive. There's lots of exercises we'll do together. All right, hold on one second, buddy. All right, so I'm gonna go over here. And now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna set this up here. That was a pretty good filler, eh? All right, hold on a second. It's tough. It's good, all right. All right, hold on one second. Nice tap dancing. Excellent, thank you, man, thank you. All right, so I'm gonna actually do a, a screen share here. Give me one second. And I'm gonna share just Zoom. And then what I'll do is um, I'm going to crop the screen there. Okay. Window configure. And I'm using Wirecast. All right. Great. Yeah. yeah, that's a great tool. It's cool. Yeah, it's, it's neat. Zoom. The only, the only problem I, I have with them is that um, during, uh, during COVID, uh, what, what they did uh, was, was they actually um, they raised prices a lot. And they asked me to be a sponsor as well or whatever to for, put me on their, their home screen. I refuse to do it because of that. All right, one, one second here, guys. I promise you that this will, this will work. All right, so hold on, I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go to configure, and we're gonna do monitor instead. And then what I'll have to do is I'll have to drag this way over here. Okay, hold on a second. Thank you everybody for your patience with, with me. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna grab this here in the corner. We'll see if this works here. So hold on one second. Yeah, it might not work perfectly, but 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 I'll see here. All right, hold on a second. So I'm going to go here to the corner, and I see that. Okay, great. Uh, now, Todd, is there a, is there a way that you can um, make your notes a little bit smaller or no? Uh, not sure. Let me yeah. see here. Thanks, everybody. I apologize. It's my 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 fault entirely. I think uh, that, actually, it, it might work. Actually, hold on a second. All right, and I think we're 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 almost good to go there. I think Zoom. I'm surprised that Zoom just doesn't take the direct out of the presenter view. I know, Strange. totally, totally. I think we got it here. So what I've done is I've actually just shared um, the corner there. Okay. Okay. And 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 not you, but hold on one second. I got I got to change it a little bit because I've I've made it. <laughs> I feel like my mom and dad asked me to turn on the VCR or something. <laughs> it's happening. Do I tell you, man, the, the older I get, the better I was. Eh? All right, hold on a second. So, so I'm setting it, setting it up here. We're, we're almost done. All right. Okay, great. Um, almost there, folks. Please stand by. Almost there. All right, hold on. There we go. There we go. That, that, that should be good. That should be good. Okay, great. So what, what I'm going to do, Todd, is um, I'm going to do, uh, a, a, I'm just, it's just going to be the, the screen, okay? Okay. All right, great. So, um, hold on one second. Yeah, okay, buddy. 
Um, go, go, ahead. go ahead. And then, then the only thing when we go to uh, the actual interaction with the, um, the web live site. metaverse sites, I'll change slightly. So we made up to just for that, but no, we should be in. No, it's cool. What we'll do is this. So once you go to the live meta site, um, I'll don't worry about it. I'll change stuff on my end. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. All right. And and if you want, yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, go for it. Thank you. Okay, so they're not seeing me, correct? They're just seeing the, uh, the yeah, screen. Yeah, yes, they see the slides. Uh, on, on, <laughs> I have some on, unbelievable hand-waving that's going to be missed now. Oh, it is. <laughs> All right, well, it, it can't beat my, my dad joke with the NFT pen. Okay, go for it, buddy. They, they can just see, right. they just see your, your PowerPoint. Thanks. Great, understood. All right. So great. So thanks again, Chris, for, for uh, allowing me to jump on and, and share uh, what I saw at NFT NYC. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, it was in the beginning. It was basically the first week of November uh, in Manhattan, uh, and it was um, it was five venues. So there was it was like the Edison Ballroom, the Palladium, Town Hall, uh, Bond Forty Five, uh, Club NFT NYC, which was down down more near near uh, near Thirty Fourth Street. Uh, so at all these five venues simultaneously, they had they had uh, speakers going on, and they had everything from you know direct single person uh, presentations to fun panel uh, discussions, and it was really incredible. Uh, and as as Chris said, Gary V was there, Quentin Tarantino was there, uh, Blau the DJ was there, Pac, Buster Rhymes. Uh, all kinds of digital artists. The digital artist that created Beeple was there, which sold uh, for a crazy amount of money, which I'll cover in a minute. Uh, really the leaders in tech, the leaders in uh, gaming, uh, programmers were there, musicians, comedians, lawyers, even investors, uh, and, and a female astronaut, which I'll cover in a moment. So it was, uh, it was a, lot to, a lot to take in. Uh, so now I'll jump on to the next slide and we'll go into the overview. Uh, so basically, I'll cover uh, these areas, uh, and again, there are five arenas going on, so this is just a small fraction of what actually occurred at the show, uh, but tried to break it down into, into the main general areas so you could get an idea of, of uh, the different things were covered. Um, to open this up, so the keynote uh, was basically with Gary Vaynerchuk, for those of you who don't know it. Uh, most of the people know him as Gary V. Um, he was uh, one of the uh, people in the main keynote, as well as Jody Rich, who is the co-founder uh, and producer of NFT.NYC. Um, and they gave a, a great chat, which just started by covering, you know, in 2019, there were only 460 attendees to the show. Um, and this year, there were over 5,000 um, with a wait list of, of I think, three or 4,000. Uh, and there were 240 reporters there, so it really just showed the growth uh, between 2019 and 2021 was just unbelievable. Um, and basically, they, they just covered high level. You know, they feel every business is going to be affected by the decentralized, uh, you know, NFTs and the decentralized servers around the world. Um, and really, all the apps that are going to be on those blockchains are going to be are going to be incredible. Um, you know, Gary has been a huge, you know, fan of NFTs uh, for, for a long time. But what was interesting was it would have been very easy for Gary to get up there and just bang the drum about NFTs and then, you know, start crowd surfing and the glowing love that was obviously present in the in the NFT community. 
but it was interesting because Gary gave a clear warning. You know, he, he did, you know, talk for a long time about the great components and, and utility of NFTs, but he did give a warning and say that, you know, for those who come into this space innocent and starry-eyed, you know, it's very important to understand that this is a nascent new technology. Uh, they're going to, it's going to grow. Uh, he sees this being there for the long term, but there is a possibility for crashes. Um, you know, if, if people put all their money out there, they could lose a great deal of money. So one of his key points to the, to the community was really, as you go out there and invest in this uh, space, please only invest in, in money that you can intend to lose entirely. Um, because he just worries that, you know, everybody loves this. There's such a, a, a ground surge in, in this and he wants to make sure that, uh, you know, people don't get hurt as, as, uh, as this uh, goes through its phases of, of how we learn about it. Um, here's just a, a high level overview of NFT as a definition. Um, you can see they really took over Times Square and all the monitors and in Times Square at one point were being controlled and, and, uh, and NFTs were all of them, which was great. Um, really, as you look at NFTs, it's really the concept of a personal copyright. Um, you know, you have these uh, digital goods or assets uh, that are basically through cryptography and through blo blockchain chain, they, you can prove their authenticity, authenticity. Um, and, uh, as well, you can prove your ownership of that asset. Um, which one of the, one of the things that I found as a key takeaway as I, as I went to the show was NFT 2.0 standard, which they talked about a great deal, which I wasn't aware of yet. Uh, really, that allows for the dynamic data uh, that you can use within NFTs. And that's really a game changer because as you look to have these assets that you purchase or services evolve, you know, they can evolve because you can have digital data, you can have data integrated with those with those NFTs. Um, and one thing I think that's that's important is to understand that NFTs are not just expensive JPEGs. You know, a lot of the press that you've seen about NFTs over the past you know, year has been, you know, people or, or these crazy uh, NFTs that have sold for hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. And that brought a lot of naysayers because they said, oh, this is, this is, you know, a scam. This is not going to happen. You know, this is something that's happening short term, but it's not going to be long term. It's not going to have an impact on, on business and society. Um, but what, really came out in in, uh, in the discussions here was really that NFTs can really be anything. So an NFT can be, you know, a passport or a vaccination card or official business records. There was even a section where they talked about companies, there were a lot of startups, obviously, and there are startups that their whole purpose in life is converting government records to NFTs uh, on the blockchain. So. You know, that that was amazing. And really, as, as you say, again, is it real? You know, Nike just filed for a patent. And in this patent, they're going to basically focus on how physical goods can interact with virtual goods uh, and have a bi-directional relationship. So you get a token when you buy these real Nike shoes. And then that virtual, uh, that token can give you virtual crypto kick, crypto kicks, sorry, um, that are an actual video game asset. So you can have these Nike crypto kicks 
running around this game. And then a really cool about the interactivity or the, the bi-directional relationship is, let's say you take your real uh, Nike shoes that you bought and you go out and you run six miles. That activity then translates over into the virtual world and actually powers up your crypto kicks when you go into a game. So that's a really cool way of, of when people say, oh, great, there's physical world, there's virtual world. Uh, how do I get my in real life to interact with that? And, and this really opened up the door to that, that concept and a lot, of, uh, a lot of excitement was built around that. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of a, 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 an overall view of, of NFTs. Uh, when you look at where, where NFTs bought and sold, so here are the number of the other platforms. You have OpenSea, Axie Infinity, Decentraland, Foundation, Rarible. Um, all these uh, platforms are growing. There are a lot more coming. Um, and it's going to be interesting because as, as with anything, uh, there will be growth, there will be losers, there will be winners. So some of these you know, are our uh, main players uh, and others may may fall aside as as um, as the the economy and as the community evolves. A, a key thing that came up a lot was carbon neutral, uh, gas fees, friction. So as you go into the this hey, world, hey, Todd, to, Todd, so yeah. sorry, this is great. Can you explain gas fees? What does that mean? Sure. So those are fees that are charged basically when you want to have, like, let's say you have an NFT and you want to have that what's called minted. So you want to put it, you have an NFT of something of that pen that you just had and you want to put it on OpenSea. So you need to mint that first. So you go in and you mint that and to mint it, uh, there's a process. And if you go online, there are a number of great sites and NFT.NYC is a number of number of it. There's also the NFT Bible, which you can go to uh, and see the, these processes in, in, in depth. But basically it allows you to uh, mint the NFT. And when you mint it onto the blockchain, so it basically goes from it being an isolated item to it being minted on the blockchain, you have to pay a gas fee uh, that gets the, uh, the engineers to basically mint that into the blockchain so it has an identity that it has uh you, that makes it unique to you cool. um so that's that's what gas fees are does that make sense perfect thank you yep um and metamask you know the wallets so when you want to have a a currency a cryptocurrency to purchase nfts you know there are companies like metamask and metamask you know has seen 19x growth over the last couple of years so these companies are, are are really seeing massive growth. And Chris, I know that speaks to your philosophy of when you have a new technology, you know, investing in the in the pickaxes and and the the tools that enable that marketplace. And and those are really uh, some of the tools that are going to be used. Um, so smart contracts are basically you're going to hear this term a lot as you hear about NFTs, and these are really programs that are stored on the blockchain. Um, and they run, uh, you know, when predetermined conditions are met. Um, and they can also, and it really gives you the right. So when you have an NFT, what is the smart contract that defines the right to, to that NFT? Because as I'm going to discuss in the legal section here in a moment, you know, there are different rights to these NFTs. And you can't assume that just because you purchase this NFT that you can go and, and print 
uh, a jersey that has that on the front of it, for example, that might be in, not be in the rights that you have for that NFT. So smart contracts are a key component of that. Um, two really universal com uh, concepts that were across the board at all these uh, these uh, different panel discussions was really uh, community. So whether it's music, art, sports, gaming, comedy, you know, it's really about a group of people with common interests. Um, and and that's that's really what it's all about. Um, and NFTs are then kind of a currency that they move around that community. Uh, and the second was, you know, decentralized, you know, decentralized, whether it's buyers and sellers dealing directly with another and not being able to uh, not having to be in the same place, peer to peer transactions. Um, it's really about removing the requirement for banks to be in the center or credit cards to be in the center um, and about these servers that are all over the world and the blockchain that is basically having that shared data about the uniqueness of the NFTs that you have um, around the world. Uh, and then it's really one of the things that is is newer to the, to the uh, to the community and newer to NFTs is DAOs. So this concept is basically decentralized autonomous organizations. So as we just mentioned a minute ago with internet communities and shared funds, shared funds from that community are basically what are put together and then they use those shared funds to purchase things. So that could be, you know, virtual real estate in the, uh, in the metaverse, that could be uh, an NFT work of art that could be a music collection that's an NFT. Uh, so these DAOs come together and they purchase some of these high-end uh, assets, um, and that's going to be a big, big part of of uh, the NFT the NFT uh, ecosystem, and also about the metaverse. Uh, you know, these DAOs are going to be entities in the metaverse as well. Um, so Chris mentioned earlier um, Internet 3.0, and really Internet 1.0, so that was the beginning of the, of the Internet. So that was you go to the Internet and you can read, you can consume content from the Internet. Uh, internet 2.0 was the evolution of now you can go and it's social media. So you can read content from the Internet, you can publish content to the Internet through social media. Um, the company I code founded Axis also was a part of that evolution. So now you could go to the internet and you could, producers could create content for their shows uh, using the internet. So that was internet 2.0. Now what we're going into now is internet 3.0. So that involves ownership and that's the evolution of NFTs. That's the ab ability for you to purchase things um, and have own ownership of them and also sell those things there's a mark there are marketplaces now so you can buy and sell so now chris what i thought we'd do is jump in and uh cover a couple of the examples of the metaverse so sure what i'll what i'll do now is i'll i'll stop sharing the presentation mm -hmm. all right give me give me one second just to set this up sorry yeah all right hold on a second all right behind the scenes this is me <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to fix uh, uh, the setup here. Give me a second here. Duplicate shot. Okay, done. And then one second, please. Okay, hold on a second. Yep. Whoops. 
All right, cool. All right, so uh, you, you want to share uh, something on the screen here, yeah? Right. Yeah, so I'm going to share the show you metaverse in a moment here. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, this is dope. I remember you showed this before. I love this. This, this really explains it, uh, the power of, of what, what this could all become eventually. Cool. And what, what website is this, Todd? So this is showyounft.com. Okay. Uh, and when you go there, that'll take you to the general website uh, cool. where you'll see. So they have a number of different marketplaces. Uh, so there's one of the uh, marketplaces is, is a simple 2D, 2D traditional marketplace. Right. There is also an ability to have audio component to the to the marketplace, and then uh, there's the metaverse person part of, of the marketplace. So when you go to uh, the homepage, you'll see metaverse. You just click on it, and every time uh, you do that, you have to uh, uh, do this quick load that takes place, uh, and then you'll be able to uh, to interact with it. Perfect. Right. So Sushi Swap uh, is one of the up and coming decentralized exchanges. Um, and Sushi, Shop, Sushi Swap uh, is the one that created Shoyu. Okay. This is, uh, so this will give us kind of a good understanding of what Web 3.0 could be or Metaverse? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Let's enter the Metaverse. Enter the Metaverse. And here are our keys All to right. maneuver around the Metaverse. Uh -huh. So as you can see, I can, I can look around the Metaverse. Huh. It is 3, 3D space, uh, beautiful space, and I can move through my metaverse here. Huh. And I can also, uh, one of the things I want to do is show you the gallery section. So one of the cool components of, of this approach is, and really when SushiSwap created uh, shoyu, you know, shoyu in Japanese means soy sauce, and everything around SushiSwap is based around terminology, based around... Uh, sushi even like the bento box and other cool components that they have mm. um, but basically what, what the different what they're type the way they're trying to differentiate themselves in this space is that there are many different galleries for nfts yeah. but what what shoyu does and it's kind of a play on on words the way they've named it as well because it's really show you uh, cool. and what they do here is basically they give you the ability to uh, see it in 3D space. So as I move about the space, cool. I can go to this gallery, and then I can click to enter the gallery. This reminds me a lot of Oculus. So I saw um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's presentation on what Internet 3.0 could look like, uh, and it's basically Oculus. You put on the headset, and you start in your homeroom with a fireplace, a nice view of the mountains, and then you can walk around to different rooms. Yeah, exactly. Oops. <coughs> Pardon me. Did you just lose? No, the no, we're good. We're, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So it looks like uh, this is a, a, a metaverse or Internet 3.0 demonstration going through a gallery or somebody's house, right? Yeah. So basically, what they have is so Sushi Swap, the way they've set this up is uh, this is a personalized gallery. So, again, what I mentioned earlier. Uh, 
traditional galleries are simple flat 2D environments where you're right. seeing things that you can purchase. But this gallery in, invo involves a completely immersive experience. Yeah. So, and each one of these galleries, you can purchase skins for them so they can be personalized. So this is a very futuristic, you know, traditional Japanese environment that you're seeing here with beautiful uh, content. And as you move about the space, you'll see different NFTs being displayed. Huh. But, but this could just as easy be, easily be, you know, a beach house, or it could be a house in the mountains, or it could be um, a futuristic gaming environment. Yeah. So those are all skins that you're per going to purchase to show you for how you want to display your content, your NFTs in this environment. Amazing. Very cool. Uh -huh. And so will, and people, will, will people be wearing like a headset for this or is it, would it just be kind of, or is like, is internet 3.0, is it virtual or augmented reality or is it, is it a browser-based application like this where you don't need to wear AR or VR headsets? Sure. Well, basically, this we're experiencing part of it right now. So this is a way to consume, you know, the metaverse through this through this website. Hmm. Uh, but also, obviously, you could be wearing a, a headset and, and using this as well and, and moving about the space just like you would in a traditional game. It's amazing. It's so interesting because you look at the largest tech companies in the world. They know that AR or VR is the future and they've all invested in this. And so Oculus uh, was purchased by Facebook. Uh, Microsoft bought a company called HoloLens, uh, which is a VR headset company. Uh, you also have Google that invested $500 million in a Florida-based company uh, called Magic Leap. And of course, Sony PlayStation just had the fifth anniversary of their VR headset. So the market is going this way. We don't know what it's going to look like right now. And even Zuckerberg says he doesn't know what it's going to look like exactly, but it's it's happening. Uh, and I yeah. think, and the best way, as you mentioned before, I think the best way to invest uh, in the metaverse uh, is to find companies that make the products to make it happen. Like back in the 90s, um, the best uh, internet investments were not the crappy website companies like pets.com, but it was companies like Cisco, ticker CSCO, that provides all the plumbing and infrastructure to make this happen. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And with, you know, with Oculus and Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're basically giving you, almost giving you away the product at cost because they want to get people into their ecosystem. Um, it was interesting at the at this conference. The the there was there was not much love for for the Mark Zuckerberg wor version of the metaverse. They're happy yeah. to have him part of it, yeah. but one thing they don't want to see happen is you had all these founders at that conference, and really the idea was they don't want everyone to have to plug into Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse. They want it to be m many different uh, uh, you know metaverse environments and worlds. And you can bridge between them, and it's very open and free. Um, yeah. It's interesting, also, because you, you mentioned different providers and things. Yeah. You have Apple, you know, and Apple is basically really focusing on software and services, and they have the lidar uh, and their AR kit and their object capture. Um, you know, their the, the ability to you know share files. Uh, that's going to be key in the metaverse because being able to move files around to different uh, metaverse worlds. Um, and the, the idea that people are saying they're going to be coming out soon with these classes, um, you know, they're kind of taking an evolution uh, tech, you know, strategy as far as how they're doing that. And then you have Microsoft doing basically a team-based focus 
to the metaverse and there's in their initial uh initial marketing um you have nvidia which is a obviously a graphics powerhouse and their omniverse um roblox um as of april roblox had over 203 million monthly active users mm-hmm. uh, engaged in their in their digital second life so uh you know a lot of these people they're saying you know how do you see this where well it's you can go to it now you can go to these environments now um and then you have niantic which was the original pokemon go you know they they offer uh, announced their launch of their ar development kit called lightship mm-hmm. um and really their focus are, is around yeah. being easier uh and more accessible and then you have qualcomm you know they provide uh, the building blocks for the new ar apps uh and really their focus is more not about dominating everything themselves but about providing the tools that you can use that you just mentioned Chris right, uh, right. to be to be able to build your own version of it right that's probably one of the many, many reasons why Nvidia ticker NVDA's market cap is now bigger than Intel uh they've they've kicked ass obviously in the, in the graphics market uh, given the fact that fact that graphics cards are used in video games and more importantly in cryptocurrency mining uh, but looking forward Nvidia is going to become a powerhouse in this market as well we might get to the point where there's actually smaller graphic chips or GPUs embedded within uh, uh, VR headsets yeah it's interesting exactly cool. and even Match is getting into the game so Match yeah. is, uh, is uh, announcing their plans for an avatar focused you know dating experience called Singletown so right. it's crazy right. yeah wow um so now let me show you one other one sure. really quickly. So this is spatial. Uh and can you, can everyone see this? Yes, perfect. Thank you. Okay. So spatial is basically um this is a uh Anand Agarwala uh is yeah. the CEO of this and Gina Lee yeah. is the chief product officer. Huh. They've already created two companies that were acquired by Google. Um and they're do, doing some credible things in this space. Yeah. Um you know you can see all the different so show you again is very focused because of their uh, parent company very co- focused on uh doing the the metaverse gallery uh-huh. but here are a number of different areas that you can browse into if you have some time if everybody can go there there's also Chris for you right here teacher yeah there's a whole learning universe that you can go into interesting uh and basically let me join here that's wild yeah it, add me Oh, that's wild. Interesting. And then you can basically move around the world. So you can uh, basically have a, an area where you can teach people different concepts. You can also have different worlds that they can go into. Amazing. Uh, so you may want to uh, go into, uh, like if you were teaching something about uh, a certain topic, you can then go into that topic and experience it. So let me go into one of these. So let's say you're teaching a story, uh, a story about Britain at war. So you can travel into there. So cool. And it's going to allow me to jump in. So apparently, in the future, we only have upper bodies. Exactly. So I guess uh, core is going to be it's going to be important to keep our ab workout going because yeah, yeah. that's what everybody's going to see. So again, here's an example of now you can go into this space and it's a learning envir- environment about Britain at war and you can see all kinds of um 
examples of that and, and watch videos uh, and that kind of stuff, cool things that you can see in, in this space. But it gives you an idea of really, it's the sky's the limit as far as what you want to imagineer in this space because it's basically everything's possible. You can have anything in this world. Um, here's an example, again, we showed a marketplace before, this is education in that space. So this can, and this can be 2D things like you see on the walls with text and things that you can read. It can be videos as you see here. It can be a 3D experience where you go into a whole nother world like I did here. Uh, so really exciting things about that um, that's and the wild. way that's progressing. That's amazing, man. Really cool, really cool. I, I'm starting to get it now a bit more so. Um, once you see a video like this, it makes sense. And if anybody wants to check it out, they can go to this website. It's S is in Sam, P is in Peter, A is in Apple, T I A L dot I O, spatial dot I O, correct? Yep, exactly. Oh, cool. nice. And the other one is show you NFT. Uh huh. Uh, and you can go into that one, and that will uh, that awesome. takes a bit longer to load, but it's it's fun to go yeah. through as well. Can, that you, can you do me a favor? Can you go back to the main uh, menu where you chose which rooms to go into? Uh, sure. Let me see. Yeah, I have to go. Yeah, that's because there was there was a out of Star Wars. There it is. Hit uh, Mos Eisley uh, Cantina on the bottom on the right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Star Wars. I have to see. Yeah, it. yeah. There are all kinds of fun worlds in here. Yeah, yeah. May the fourth be with you. Okay, I got it. Okay, cool. That's a yeah, Star Wars walk. one. Yeah, let's walk around, man. Yeah. See what they got here. Yeah. And I'm trying to make a, a metaverse version of my, my MBA program as well. Something I'm working on for about two years now. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm playing around with Adobe Dimensions, 3D products, whatnot. Uh, trying to learn the Unreal Engine as well. Um, now, is this stuff going to be developed with Unreal? Or are there other software development platform kits that exist already for this? Uh, these are done with Unreal. Huh. And, and so, for example, the one I showed you first as well. Yeah. Show NFT. Uh, that one is on the Unreal Engine. And it also has a, um, huh. uh, a and an, they, use, they use a Netflix style uh, pixel streaming method as well. Interesting. Go to Han Solo, if you don't mind, it's right behind you. Turn around. Yeah. Han Solo. Yeah, there's that. He was frozen in carbonite. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right behind you there. Yeah. Yeah, you have, to, you have to back up first. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool, man. Yeah. I love this. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, Lu yeah, yeah. LucasArts, I'm sure, is thinking about uh, creating a game like this. Eventually. There, there's Han Solo. There he so, is. Dude, I got to go there because I'm a Star Wars nerd. So Harrison Ford was in Star Wars, obviously, 1977. And he was so difficult to direct, apparently, uh, that um, when they did Empire Strikes Back two years later... Um, at the very end of the movie, they weren't sure if they were going to bring him back. And so they froze him. And then they went through contract negotiations. And then by Return of the Jedi, they're like, okay, cool. We're, we're going to still have him in the next movie. So they unfroze him. I had to go there. Sorry. But it's a true story. True story. This is wild. Okay, cool, man. Well, thanks for showing that. I, I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. So why don't we jump, we jump sure. fast back to the uh, yeah. PowerPoint? Yeah, absolutely. And while you do that, I'm just going to tee it up here uh, in Wirecast. Okay. All right. Hold on a second here. All right, so I'll go here to, um, I zoomed right in. All right, yeah, go for it, bud. Okay, stand by. All right, switching over to PowerPoint now. 
Okay, and are we uh, everybody seeing this? No, I, I still see just the uh, uh, the browser screen. Okay, stand yeah. by. Yeah. Awesome, and thanks so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it on such short notice too. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right, cool. Gorillas. Okay, are we seeing this now? Yep, we're we're good to go. Okay, so. Now, I'll touch briefly on digital art uh, and PFPs, so profile projects. Uh, basically, uh, in, in 2017, that was when CryptoKitties launched. And that was this idea of these expensive uh, you know, JPEGs that everybody was re referring to. Uh, and the, the work of art on the left that you see there is, is the artwork that Beeple uh, made $69.3 million on. Uh, so an incredible... Uh, some to be paid for that digital uh, digital NFT, what, and then what, 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 so that that astronaut thing uh, picking the flower, exactly. Why would uh, why would somebody pay that much? Is this like a must be a famous artist or something? Huh? Yeah, well, it's Beeple is is a famous digital artist, okay. uh, and and but as as you see here on the right, uh, you said gorillas, I believe. So these are bored apes. So bored apes are mm. the craze of the of the metaverse and you're probably hearing a lot about it, about them. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, a number of celebrities have been purchasing them recently. These are two board apes uh, that Post Malone purchased for $734,000. Wow. Um, and you've seen, you may have seen, if you're a fan of Post Malone, you may have seen one of these board apes in his music video recently which is a good test of the legal rights of, of uh, NFT holders. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so these are just examples of kind of the, the digital art and where that's happening in the space and, and what's, you know, these are the things that, that people are, have, you know, they're very popular, people love them, but it's also the naysayers, th th these are things that they say are examples of why this isn't a real, you know, thing that's going to continue on. Um, then I'll, I'll touch briefly on digital art with a cause. So Cyan Proctor uh, was the first black female uh, space pilot aboard uh, SpaceX's Inspiration4. Uh, and she won her spot uh, on, space, on, on Inspiration4 through Twitter, uh, through a prosperity seat contest that they had. Hmm. Um, and basically, uh, she prevent, presented a video that, that made her case for why she thought she should, she should have that seat. Um, and she won the spot on on uh, Inspiration Four. It's amazing. And you know, one of the cool things was people would say, "Oh, it's you know, you jumped on Twitter and you got this, you know, instant overnight success and got a spot on on uh, on a SpaceX flight." Well, the interesting story about Cyan is she in 2009 she made it to the final 16. Uh, she beat out something like 3,500 people who were trying to be astronauts. Uh, and she had this, you know, she was chasing space her entire life uh, and was just persistent and never gave up. Uh, and so she, it's amazing that she beat out all these people and made it to the final 16. And the way she actually got to space was a Twitter, uh, you know, concept, uh, 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 contest That's for the prosperity seat. That's wild. Um, and, and around that time, she, she partnered with the Cosmic, Cosmic Paws folks uh, and they created these things called Mutniks. Um, and so Mutniks are, are a new type of NFT project. 
uh, and it's based around the Russian cosmonaut dogs. Right. So basically, in the early space race, uh, Russia, you know, took these these dogs and and put them up into space, uh, and that was they were the first, you know, living living beings to go out into space and come back, and and they helped the space race, and you know, all these billionaires would not be going to space for it not for these dogs, <laughs> um, and so that was basically what she did with with her effort and they actually sold 63,000 NFTs in 3 days uh with all the proceeds going to St. Jude's Children's Hospital fighting cancer um and if you'd like to find more out about that if you go to goingtospace.com you'll see the NFTs she took a number of NFTs to space with her she also created NFTs when she was up in space uh and also you'll see the cosmic pause uh, site where you can see the other uh, Mutniks and also there's one of the engineers even created a random generator to uh, to create your own uh, <laughs> NFTs uh, of the Mutniks and, and mint those. Um, there's also if you go to Netflix there's a, sh a, a film called Countdown which will cover uh, Cyan Proctor's story if you'd like to see that. <laughs> cool. Uh, cool. So then Again, those are two examples, but really some general digital art and collectibles concepts. It's really about, uh, you know, community support for up and coming artists. So, you know, giving these people a living wage so that they can, you know, publish these out into, into the metaverse and into the uh, into the public and get people to help fund them while they're while they're finding their way up. Another cool thing was what you're seeing here in this image is generative art. So Coinbase had this cool station where you could use these controls, you could create a brand new digital work of art, and then you could publish it and mint it uh, and set it up as an, an NFT from there. Um, and it was another th key key kind of component of this was really the connection between the artist and the fan. So very frequently, artists don't have a direction, direct connection with their fans and who are their fans and why do they like their works of art and what what is it that really drives them about their art? Um, and so a number of these artists that were speaking in this in these sessions really went on and on about how they love the connectivity that they now have with their fan base um, and how it's changed the way they approach their art. Um, it's interesting. Well, Mark, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is interesting because when he showed a demo of what the metaverse might look like, uh, he showed uh, two people that went to a concert one person went in real life and her friend was actually an avatar within the metaverse. Uh, and then they went backstage as well. Um, anyway, it's kind of interesting. We don't know what it's going to look like, but this is what you're doing here is you're, you're really helping us to understand what might become uh, Internet 3.0. Yeah. And you spoke earlier to, uh, you know, authenticity and, you know, making this space respectable. And one of the things that's contributed to that, obviously, is Sotheby's and Christie's backing the, uh, the this this entire world and this entire ecosystem by, by having auctions with NFTs that they've had recently. So that's a whole new, and if you're, a, if anyone's on LinkedIn, I don't know if you've seen it, but both of these organizations are hiring all the, all kinds of people for the metaverse. Hmm. So it's, it's really exploding yeah. uh, from that, uh, perspective as well it's interesting and here we have yeah go on please i'm so sorry no problem and here we have the two areas that we just went to show you nft and spatial.io are 
are examples of places where you can see uh, the metaverse in 3D with these galleries. It's awesome. Um, Very cool. And it's, it's, it's interesting because if you want to find out what companies uh, are going to be focusing on NFTs, uh, there, there's two ways. Number one, you go to a company's website and you go to the jobs postings. And if you see they're trying to hire somebody that has NFT experience, then that means that's part of their future direction. So GameStop, I saw it on their website recently. Another way is you can go to copyright.gov. Uh, or actually uh, USPTO.gov, that's the United States Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO.gov, and see if companies have filed patents with the word metaverse or internet 3.0 or NFT. Yeah, yeah. and that's a good example as well, uh, Chris, of the, the Nike patent that was filed. You know, that oh, just, right. just yeah. like you said, you know, finding out that they're doing that bio, bi I mean, bi-directional uh, virtual and, and, and in real life uh, Mm. Commerce is going to be incredible. Um, and then another thing, uh, component of this is I spoke to DAOs earlier and those DAOs coming together and purchasing expensive items within the metaverse and within FTs, uh, whether that be real estate or, or art. Um, and there's also the, the kind of the, the converse to that. So as there are a lot of people who really want to have part of something, it's the concept of fractional ownership. Mm. So you can have a bunch of people who have a, buy a small stake in one of these large ticket items, and that's a that's a big thing that's coming uh, come come to fruition as well. And then just really a lot of the whether it was any one of those categories that I mentioned earlier, it was really about the ownership history and the authenticity that comes with these. You know, you can also find out if you purchased uh, an NFT for a, an artist, you can find out who purchased it before you, you can see their history, which is kind of cool as well. Huh. So everything, everything has a kind of a history to it, which is fun. Uh, then going on to digital music. So in the digital music space, uh, you know, Blau is, is an electronic uh, music uh, phenom. And basically he re recently sold 33 music NFTs for $11.7 million while he was sitting on his family's couch in Las Vegas. Um, so this is, again, this is a way where you're seeing artists who are obviously established like Blau, but also uh, new and upcoming artists. So Buster Rhymes is partnering with Hustle on his NFT venture, and his focus is really about, you know, cutting out the middleman uh, and working directly with the fans and enabling up, up and coming artists to to you know have access to funds to get them get them going and get their careers started. Um, a lot of people spoke about this concept that I've here that there's no middle class in music and that you have the people who fly around on private jets and the people who are in their brother's room uh, composing the next great hit. Um, and how do you make the jump between the two? Um, and they're really feeling that NFTs is going to provide the, the vehicle for that, which is exciting. Hmm. Uh, another component is uh, kind of seeing how the past methods of, of funding are being brought forward. So that concept of funding things uh, and funding other, other uh, creative processes by, by doing that, uh, you know, reflect if you go back to the Bowie bond when David Bowie raised $55 million uh, by selling his, his back catalog and 
you know, promising them that they would see lots of lots of revenue in the future by being able to use that back catalog. Um, so you're seeing those kinds of concepts in this new space and this new way of doing doing business. Um, it's also uh, a huge part about what the fans were talking about in these different sessions at, at NFT NYC was about the ambassadorship. So they love the idea that you can prove that you are an early fan of, let's say, I, I was an early fan of the Beastie Boys. Well, now I can prove it because I have this NFT of their ticket or I have this NFT of their you know, their first album uh, and the concept that then that has value to it. So I can go sell that NFT of the original first album. I can have all kinds of new experiences. So you can have VIP experiences built around that that original uh, NFT and you can go into, maybe you're in the metaverse and then that NFT has utility to it. So now I can go into this bar uh, and I can go into a QA system with all the members of the Beastie Boys, and they're sitting there in this in the metaverse, and I can ask them questions, and uh, and maybe that NFT's uh, utility was part of what gave me that ability. So, um, and and as artists blow up, your NFT blows up and grows in value. So that was a big big discussion. Very cool. Uh, digital film. So. Quentin Tarantino, I, I don't know if any of you ever heard about this in the, in, the, uh, in the media, but this was an interesting thing where you went into the conference conference that day, you went in, into a session, and then you turn, I turned around and the session that I was in was now in the news because what he was uh, stating was not in alignment with what, uh, what another party was interested in. So with this, basically, Quentin Tarantino... Uh, got up and was extremely excited about NFTs. He loves them. He loves the exclusivity. He loves that it gives him a relationship with his fans of his work. Um, and he went on and on about how basically when he did Pulp Fiction, you know, he he, he wrote the screenplay and he holds it in a, in a metal binder and that sits on his shelf. And then when he goes to the typist, the typist, you know, creates the, the script that, that then gets used throughout the whole production process. Well, he says once that comes back from the typist, he takes that metal binder and puts it on the shelf in his office. Uh, and what he's doing is he's going into that metal binder, opening it up you know, many years later, and he notices all the doodles that he had in the margins and all the inside story and scoop that he had when he was creating the different scenes uh, and and all the ideas he had in his head, and he loved the idea that he's now going to create digital NFTs of different components of the scripts and sell those in NFTs so that people can have, you know, fans can have unique, uh, you know, content that gives them insights into the film that they didn't know before. Uh, really excited about it. But then the very next morning, Miramax announced that they were going to file a, uh, a lawsuit uh, going against him, that he had no right to publish any such digital material, such as NFTs, about, uh, about Pulp Fiction. So it's interesting. It's, it's both a, an example of digital film and how it's moving into the world where you know, people will publish you know, behind-the-scenes clips or you know, things that ended up on the cutting room floor that people thought were interesting. They can publish those as NFTs. Uh, but now it's it's all about rights and who has the rights to that. Uh, so it's going to be a big part of it, Chris. 
Amazing. Uh, gaming. So gaming was huge. There were gaming rock stars everywhere from the, you know, the people who create the different games to actual game and, and when players. Say, and and Tom, when was this conference that you, that you went to? And where was it again? I'm sorry. It was November 1st to 4th, uh, oh. and it was in Manhattan. Oh, Manhattan. Okay. Okay, cool. And it, and it was a number of uh, five different venues. Uh, so they were simultaneously doing presentations and panel discussions. Cool. Thank you. Sure. Um, and, it, you know, the, the first bullet point is kind of a an attention grabber, but it, it obviously doesn't doesn't exist immediately. Mm -hmm. But really, there was a lot of groundswell discussion of how this could possibly replace, you know, in the future, the, the game uh, publishers, because you have all these people publishing uh, NFTs and also doing games that are, are allowing people to have revenue from the games huh. um, and how that could free up these new game creators to not rely so much on the publishers. Um, and really play to earn was a big topic here uh, and mm -hmm. NFT based gaming. Uh, and in, for example, Axie Infinity. So this slide is about Jeffrey Zerlin, who's, who's the head of Axie Infinity. And he really went into how, you know, their focus when creating Axie Infinity was how you would be able to, you know, the players would actually be able to earn. Hmm. So 90% of the revenue goes to the players. Hmm. Uh, and when you're going into the Axie Infinity world, there is a cost to it. I think it's somewhere, I, I don't know what the current rate is, but it could be around $50 to get three of these small Axie characters, which you see some of their, those in the, in the image on the right there. Uh, and then you can battle them, you can breed them, you can do all kinds of things in the Axie world. And there's this thing called Slick Love Potion, which gives you currency within that universe. Mm. Um, and you can have, you know, with NFTs, you have property property rights. So you have these gaming assets that you, you have in this world. Mm. Uh, you can have this, the, uh, uh, you can take the assets with you. Uh, a key, key concept in here was really, um, Many people stood up there. There was an interesting concept between uh, what the marketing folks from the industry were saying versus what the gaming engineers were saying about this space. Right. So there's an overall concept where you have these assets. So let's say you play a game and you have a shield and you have a sword and you have a helmet, uh, but and you want to be able to. Those are your NFTs. Those are yours. Hmm. So you want to be able to jump into Axie Infinity and use those those three elements, or you want to jump into any other uh, major game. Currently, that is not a reality. Currently, you can't. They're not portable. You can't just jump in, jump in and out of different worlds. NFT of the NFT based gaming. Um, long term, great. That's an idea. But the marketing people thought they were a lot further on. They were presenting it. This was a lot further on than it is now. Whereas it was fun on the panel discussions to have the engineers, you know, call BS and say, I understand exactly what you're saying. I love it. It's the future. We're doing that. Mm. But, you know, the money is spent on making these incredible NFT games right now mm. and not making them interoperable with different NFT games as, mm. as the top focus. Um, but really cool discussions about gaming and the future of gaming. And then one of them really touched on uh, at the end of this discussion, which was if you see the couple uh, in the second image there, mm -hmm. so that's a couple in the Philippines, hmm. and that's Lolo and Lola. And Lolo and Lola had a, had a 
small neighborhood store in the Philippines. Uh, and when COVID struck, you know, all of a sudden they had, they really had nothing. They had no customers coming into their stores. They had no revenue. They were worried about losing their business. Um, and they got involved in Axie. So they, they started playing Axie Infinity. And over the course of, of a few months, they started making money. And they, they were able to keep their store. They were obviously enough to and, and able to keep a, a living wage where they could afford to eat and, and afford to live. Um, and the growth in the Philippines was insane. It dwarfed the growth, growth in the U.S. as far as growth of Axie Infinity. Um, and just thousands of people playing Axie Infinity to make money money to live, basically. It's amazing. Uh, and then they're based, Axie Infinity is a video game company based in Vietnam, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, cool. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and basically they saw an overall eight times player base grows growth in, in 2020. Um, and, uh, and it's just amazing. And some of the, so then some of the concepts that spun off of the people in the Philippines playing this game to live during COVID when they, when they were, when times were tough, they, they actually had the concept of mentors or scholarships. So people who were again, struggling to make ends meet people who were, were making ends meet and had a number of, uh, of these axi would then give scholarships to people they knew or people who applied and they would give them you know three axi and say okay here are three axi you can that you can use to play axi infinity um, and they would make revenue using those three axi and then they would give them you know a profit sharing component of that uh, for those who couldn't afford to pay to play the game initially so just amazing things and you know the gaming space and the gaming component of the show was incredible. Tons of people, tons of excitement about NFTs and gaming. Uh, one thing I, I think I mentioned to you that was a side note about that uh, was as all these people were embracing NFT-based gaming, uh, Steam uh, and basically Valve banned NFT-based games on Steam. Uh, and this caused a major rift in, in the in the gaming community because so many people were Steam fanatics and came up using Steam. And so for them to love NFT-based gaming and saying, this is the future, this is where we're headed, and then all of a sudden they stated that they're not going to be doing that at all, uh, you know, is basically a huge groundswell moment of, you know, angry that their loyalty was betrayed and, and all these things. So it's interesting to see. Huh. Fascinating. Okay, sports. Uh, so sports, obviously a huge natural connection for NFTs and collectibles is, is a sports ecosystem because, you know, baseball playing cards and, and all, the, all the fans who love their jerseys and all the different things that people purchased around the, the sports-based ecosystem uh, is huge, so it's a natural fit for NFTs and 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 the, and the sports-based uh, collectibles. This panel that I went to was had John Kozner, which is the he was formerly the ESPN head of digital media. Mm. Now he's a consultant uh, in the sports tech startup space. Uh, Calvin Justus was an Olympic swimmer, uh, also an artist uh, and a model from South Africa. Uh, Sam Fagan from Checkout.com. Uh, does crypto payments, uh, and he really his focus around this whole space 
is how do you get fiat on and off of, of these worlds. Um, Yang Adija, uh, the SVP of Digital League Operations for Turner Sports, he gave a gr great uh, presentation about block league games uh, and how players are, are purchasing NFTs and then able to interact with these games, whether it's golf or one of the other spaces, being able to interact against, uh, under, you know, compete against under, other NFTs. Uh, as well as Scott Lowen, the CEO of Candy Inc. Um, that's based, they basically have the MLB's official NFT marketplace. Also there with Fanatics, uh, and those of you know Fanatics, the largest digital sports, you know, e-commerce retailer on the planet. Um, so all these people really giving insights, sites into, you know, blockchain, NFTs, all the utility this, this can give the fans. Um, you know, everything from one-on-one -on -one coaching from your favorite athlete to interactions, you know, the, the uh, Olympic swimmer talked about how he loved the idea that now he had this, these interactions with his community that were so much stronger. Uh, and he felt that was really priceless about this new, new ecosystem. Hmm. Um, dynamic data was critical to this as well. Everybody in sports loves statistics. When I was working at at my prior company, we did, you know, worked with MLBAM to do uh, player tracking and and analytics, and everybody loves data in all of the different sports. So now the idea is how do you then pipe that data into NFTs? So how do your athletes evolve? How do your different assets that you purchase as NFTs evolve? Do they give you extension of rights into the community? Do you get a vote in certain things? If your player is hot, does your NFT change its state? If they're in a slump, does your does your uh, in real life, you know, does your does the gamification of your NFT change? Hmm. Um, it was really also about you know the democratization of access for every fan. So you know who's the biggest collector? Who's been going to the most games? You know how does that give them privileges in in this in this metaverse that that will get them close to closer to their heroes? Hmm. Um, and really, you know the athletes love learning who their fans are and what they're looking for. And, and uh, so it cr creates this bi-directional communication that we were talking about before that, that didn't exist. You saw some of it on Twitter and some of those things, but this is kind of taking that to a whole another level. Um, and then lastly, really, you know, Mark Cuban, you know, is, is talking about making his season tickets. He's going to change this where those are going to be uh, to the Dallas Mavericks are going to be NFTs. And all the kinds of loyalty opportunities that will create and new uh, new utility um, and all these people in in all these different areas in this panel, it was really how these NFTs and these NFT discussions are really the fabric of the metaverse that we're going to see to come. Okay, uh, NFT. So it was interesting, just a side note again, just to give you some, some kind of color around the conference, there were, so there were very few uh, satellite events in the first uh, NFT NYC, but this year there were th over 300 satellite events. And so these are everything from parties to clubs to concerts to uh, galleries who were showing things. Um, and it was interesting to see. So some of these items had gating you know, items to get in. So to gain access to this event, whatever it was, and like it, the board ape, ape um, apes that I showed you earlier. So the board ape yacht club took people out on a yacht 
and their purchase of their NFTs, proving they had the, the NFTs, you know, gave them access to that. And then they had in the Brooklyn Steel Club, they had the Strokes and Little Baby and Beck and Questlove and all these other musicians doing huge concerts. Uh, and then again, the gating item to get into these events or your purchase of, of the NFTs. So it again, proves the utility that it's involved with these different items. Uh, but a lot of cool stuff with that. Uh, then we run on to real estate. So again, as, as you talk about the marquee items that you hear in the media, you know, the sale of the Mars house was another one of those watershed events where all of a sudden someone spent 288 ether, which at the time was the equivalent of $500,000 for a house that doesn't exist in the real world. So this is a house that is in the metaverse. Uh, and there's a, a digital NFT for that house. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, as you look at these different worlds, you know, there's Axie Infinity Land, which we just touched on recently, Sandbox, Decentraland, and many others. And in these worlds, and you see these are just high-level pictures of, of the spaces. And when you go into these, uh, these auction platforms, you can see neighborhoods and you can see who owns this plot and how big this plot is that you're maybe bidding on hmm. and who's your neighbor, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And, and when you look at these things like $500,000, well, what, what justifies $500,000? And there's all this, all this, uh, all these analytics going on now where you say, well, you know, the foot traffic for this area is very high. You're right next door to a tiree. You're right next door to uh, a Coca-Cola experience that's launching, you know, and that's how people are going into this ecosystem and justifying pricing. And it was interesting, Airbnb on their homepage, they actually have an offering so, so you can go in and you can learn about how do you purchase space and do an Airbnb-based approach for, for real estate that you purchase in the metaverse. So if you own, just bought that Mars house, how do you Airbnb that so that you can make it available for large events that people want to do? Uh, crazy stuff. And, and, and even, you know, discussions of NFT based mortgages and borrowing against assets that you have in the metaverse going forward. Um, that's a, a lot of excitement around real estate and really you're seeing the prices in these, if you go to any of the uh, marketplaces, you won't believe the prices that are happening for these, uh, these virtual worlds amazing okay near the end here so uh legal and taxes as i mentioned this is kind of everything is so new in this space that it's really the wild west as i mentioned before quentin tarantino saying here's what i'm doing and then miramax the very next morning saying no you're not uh so it's 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 really all over the place and and there's an example where there's a woman bought this the rights to this crypto kitty NFT, and then she went out and she started printing T-shirts, and they said, "Well, you can purchase, you can print a T-shirt for yourself that shows you own that CryptoKitty, but when you printed 1,000 T-shirts, that isn't under the under the rights that you have under that NFT." Hmm. So, all this stuff is is all uh, all over the place as far as tax regula regulation and things like that. Uh, another thing is, you know. Everybody who, who's onboarding and offboarding from fiat currency into crypto and seeing the crypto going up and then trying to offload back to, to fiat traditional currency, you know, these are taxable events. And 
the great thing people love about about NFTs is that everything is on the blockchain and you know when the person purchased it and who purchased it, its authenticity, authenticity its ownership, but that also gives makes it a very easy to followable taxable event because everything you did is is there in the, in the blockchain and, and trackable. Um, and people saying, are these securities? Are these utility tokens? What are these? Uh, and then most recently, I don't know if you heard, but Eric Adams, the next mayor of New York City, uh, said that he wants to receive his payment for being mayor, mayor in Bitcoin. So it's just, it's just, it's just a crazy time, fun time to be, uh, to be in, in this space. That's great. Excellent. Well, 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 Todd, thank you so much for that. We got just a ton, ton of questions here. Let me just tee this up here. Give me one second, please. All right. I'm going to go over here. And my apologies for the, um, for, for the resolution. Do me a favor. Can you stop sharing your screen for, for a second, just so I can get you a exactly, yeah. full, full size? Thanks, brother. Okay, cool. So we got a lot of questions here. Uh, thank you so much for this. This, this was fascinating. It's a whole new world. Uh, and you've helped me understand uh, what it might look like. Yeah, uh, which, which is awesome. Okay, so let me go through questions here. Give me one, one second here. All right. Um, a lot of nice comments. People are saying um, uh, great presentation, all that stuff. Awesome. All right, cool. Uh, so um, first question I've got or comments from Kurt, uh, who graduated last year from Platinum. Hey, how are you, man? Looking forward to seeing you on December 18th here. Uh, Kurt wrote, uh, I love the concept of Web 3.0. Uh, how is the metaverse different from Second Life? I remember corporations buying storefronts on Second Life, and nothing came out of it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Thanks. Yeah, that was so. That was discussed a decent amount, and also it's a great question. And also, uh, Gary Vee, for example, mentioned that he loved Farmville hmm. and people buying sheep, and all of a sudden sheep were like the status symbol. Right. Uh, so I think to your to your question, both of those are examples of things that were a little bit before their time. Uh, you know, the technology wasn't fully there at the time, and it didn't really get the groundswell that this is getting. Uh, although you, you're you're absolutely right, Cor corporations kind of dip their toe in the water to see if this was going to be the next best thing. Yeah, that's wild. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Tony said, "This is incredible, Todd. Thanks so much." Um, I, I, I agree. Uh, and then uh, Dowd wrote here. So basically. You're paying for the worst, <laughs> the worst version of, of a video game? Question mark. And, and I guess that comment was uh, regarding uh, Axie Infinity, uh, or or something else you, you talked about. Um, and let me let me actually let, let me add on to that that question as well. Thanks, Dowd. Um, so, are existing video games going to be ported to the metaverse? Uh, and sure. If, and and if so, any examples of of companies that might do so? Thanks. That's a great question. So. The, the feedback in the sessions was really that the, the major players, the major you know, game, game companies are going to kind of sit back for a bit and see how this plays back commercially, that they're not going to immediately jump in and, and spend like uh, Zuckerberg $10 billion in a year on something. Right. You know, he, the, the main uh, players in the space were saying that they see this being something where there are early adopters like Axie Infinity who have built these things, NFT-based gaming, and you'll see a number of others that are going to be ground-based NFT-based games. Uh, but it's not something that you just that you just 
overnight port or click a conversion button and it bridges you into NFT-based game. Uh, it's not that simple. It's a lot of work. It's, it's really, from what the engineers were saying in the sessions, uh, and there may be some outliers, but the ones that were there were saying theirs would be a ground-up re-architecture. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a snap your fingers and now you can NFT it. Right. Cool. Awesome. I want to play GTA 6 um, uh, through Web uh, 3.0. That'd be fun, eh? All right. Yeah. Okay. It's crazy the amount of people who are making a living on, on Axie Infinity. It blew me away. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, in the past, it's been you know people streaming on, on Twitch to make money, having people watch them play vids. Uh, yeah. now, now it's going to be you actually earn in, in the game. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. All right. Um, uh, next question is from Kurt, who wrote, uh, what programming languages will be needed for Web 3.0? Is it mostly 3D development? Question mark. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's really where it is. And, and and we touched on one thing we touched on earlier was and and for those who you grow up in the in the creative world, like the Adobe tools and Adobe Dimensions yeah. and some of these other tools, we mentioned it earlier, Unreal Engine engine. Mm-hmm. So Unreal when we were in the Shoyu NFT site and we were going through their virtual market, I mean the virtual gallery, that was all Unreal Engine. Right. So those okay. are going to be the key things, I think, really to focus in on 3D in that world, brushing up on those tool sets, or if you're not familiar with them, going in that direction, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, that's wild. Awesome. I'm trying to learn un- Unreal. It's not, it's not easy, but it's fun. All right, Incredible. Cool. Awesome. Hey, Christina, how are you? Christina says, good morning. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, uh, T, Tony, who, uh, who's from uh, Montreal, lives in Toronto now. Uh, and his uh, fiance works at Blake's, right? A, a law firm. Okay. Or maybe you're married. Uh, you told me a year ago you're engaged. Uh, so Tony wrote, uh, how would you transfer NFT wealth to your real daily life? For example, purchasing in the metaverse would then be buying a house in the physical world? Would banks exist? Yeah. So basically what you do, and, and it, it was interesting, across the board, I should have put this as a third concept, was in every session, the key focus was around reducing friction. Mm-hmm. So, and friction being right now, it takes a bit of, of time for the average person to go from saying, I want to go sell some things on a, a marketplace for NFTs or purchase some and, and how they navigate that world because you have to have a wallet, you have to get, get cryptocurrency, you have to purchase things, then you have to figure out how am I going to get those those digital currencies, cryptocurrencies, whether it's Ether or whether it's Bitcoin, how do I get that thing back out to fiat currency? And that's really what the big uh, DeFi and the big uh, digital um, decentralized exchange platforms do. So they get your currency from fiat currency to cryptocurrencies and back. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right. um, Next question is, um, what could potentially happen in terms of security? We might be in a world where robots and AI uh, compete with humans. You could end up uh, with your wealth going to zero. Sure. I think security in any technologies is always a question, especially in the early versions, because right now you in all these sessions that I was in, 
and these are the leaders of these technologies, there are a lot of instances where they said, we don't know what we don't know about that yet, you know, mm. which is a frightening, frightening statement when you're putting, you know, $96.3 million in for a JPEG. Uh, but it's really about uh, what Gary Vee said, I think. And that was, as you mo go into this space, tread carefully, do not invest any money that you can't afford to lose sure. entirely because uh, there are things that are, aren't, aren't known about this yeah. yet. And AI is going to be a, a huge part of this as well. Uh, obviously, we all, a number of us have in our homes, AI assistants, and it's just a natural extension that it's instead of talking to a screen on my counter, yeah. I'm now talking to a person in the metaverse and they're advising me on whether I should wear, a, a, you know, a coat outside because it's cold, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be incredible. The, the security is a serious concern, uh, but I think you have to basically tread into that uh, cautiously. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great answer. And I finished this uh, video game uh, earlier this year uh, called Detroit uh, Being Human or Becoming Human. It's on the PlayStation as well as on Xbox. And you play as this avatar, this 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 robot that looks human in the game. And the fascinate, and you really get a good sense of what <clears throat> what Internet 3.0 or, or, or the uh, metaverse could become in the long run. But what's fascinating about that game, Detroit Being Human or Becoming Human, is that after each level, as the next level was loading in the game, you're asked a question, and uh, it's your prediction of the future, and it's shared with everybody, uh, anonymously your name, but one of the questions was, would you be in a relationship with a fake human, meaning uh, an android, uh, in the future? And yeah. thousands of people answered the question, 70% said yes. <laughs> it's 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 out there. Well, so check out that game, Detroit. It's a great game. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, ne next question is uh, Tony wrote: Are there potential risks to security with quantum computers and especially cryptocurrencies? Sure. I mean, I'm I'm no expert in crypto securities. Uh, there are absolutely risks, as I mentioned. I think in the past comment, <clears throat> there are absolutely risks, and that's why I think you have to be. Uh, very diligent about what you're doing and where you're putting your money. Yeah. Um, almost every investment advisor that I see making uh, statements online, they're all saying, absolutely, you know, put a portion of your investments into that space, but don't put everything into it because just as, as well as you're going to see these uh, currencies like Bitcoin, which have been around for a substantial amount of time and have seen extreme growth, you know, will this Squid Game token become, you know, a massive force and will it be relevant in 10 years? Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, it's always, you have to, you know, go into these things knowing that these are risks and you have to uh, decide if you're personally willing to take that risk or not. Yeah. And, and in terms of other security risks, I caution everybody that's got a lot of IoT devices at home. Um, that's a massive vulnerability. Make sure you have a firewall set up. And if, if you want to learn about uh, what security issues there could be in the future when it comes to IoT devices, etc., there's a great book that I'm reading right now, New York Times bestseller. Alexa, read me my audiobook. Just get the name. Getting your selection from Audible. Resuming people like her. 
before. Oh, Alexa, stop. That's my wife's book, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's called, uh, so this is how they tell me the world will end. And it's about cybersecurity issues uh, with, with Russia, uh, with Ukraine, as well as hacking. Um, and if you have a device that has a camera, I highly advise putting a cover over it because it's only a matter of time until somebody spies on you with these things. I know it sounds out there, but it's happening. It is, yeah. All right, cool. All right, uh, n- next up, um, I'm glad the book didn't say your current book is the Kuma Sutra. That would have been cool. I'm just kidding. Buddy, my, mine just responded when you said that. Oh, it did, okay, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Alexa, set an alarm for 4 a.m. every day. Okay. Alarm set for every day at 4 a.m. Okay. By the way, Alexa, that's have- enough. I didn't ask for a follow up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I did that once. I was at a conference years ago uh, and I was on a panel and I was getting a lot of contentious questions from the audience. And so I, I, I said this I said, S I R I, set an alarm every day at 3 a.m. And a lot of people were looking at their phones. They were even more. <laughs> more they, they hated me anyway. It's all good. Okay, great. All right. Um, uh, Next up, um, uh, the Financial Advisor Show wrote, uh, I have to make a point here. There are some disadvantages regarding metaverse, such as it makes us lose track of time and it separates us from the real nature in the real world and overestimates our senses. What do you think about that? Sure, I think that's 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 a really valid yeah. observation. Yeah. Also, it's interesting as I talk to people outside of the conference, uh, there were a lot of views on. So when you go, and this is all Ready Player One stuff. Yeah, you know, when you move into this metaverse, it sounds amazing and it looks amazing. There are many positives that people say, like they talk about breaking down boundaries. So all of a sudden, friends that I have in other countries that I know through business. I can go in the metaverse and hang out with them, and I didn't have to jump on a flight. Um, and people are also saying another observation, another girl I know said, she said, you know, I think real, actual, physical travel will become much, much more of a luxury. You know, people will do it for business. Somebody, people will use the Microsoft Team metaverse for business. Mm. You know, where will where will the line be drawn there as far, as far as where do you need to actually be there physically versus yeah. being there in the metaverse? Uh, but yeah, your statements about people losing track of time, just being in there as I was doing research on this and, and showing you guys Spatial IO and Shoyun, I could cruise that around there for, forever. And like you said, Chris, when you see the Star Wars, like, oh, Star yeah. Wars, it's like, totally. yeah. like the movie up, it's like, squirrel. You know, yeah. Every time you go to a new page, you see something cool that that is is something for your community and so you want to jump in there and it's it's going to be interesting to see uh how far down the ready player one rabbit hole we go and and how that affects people yeah i I think what's going to happen ultimately is given our attention spans are, are getting less now there's going to be an app like tiktok and you have this vr headset on and you can just swipe through and go to different rooms right so it's immediate entertainment and it's highly addictive as well in terms of of going on vacations virtually uh it's a fascinating thing you say because i'm thinking about the movie total recall the first the the, early, the first version of it uh with arnold schwarzenegger when he went to mars uh in virtual uh, vacations and i really do think that if, if covid didn't happen i don't think we'd be talking about web 3.0 yet 
I think it would have yeah. been a couple more years to, down, down the road. It's fascinating. Yeah, that was said a number of yeah. times in the yeah. conference. Yeah, it's fascinating. Really interesting. All right, cool. And if I miss any questions for Todd, just paste it again, please. Uh, Raquel is saying, uh, hey, Todd, fascinating topic about NFTs and Web 3.0. Uh, awesome. Thank you. Ra Raquel is based in Barcelona. She's uh, one of our students as well. She's awesome. Thanks, Raquel. Very cool. All right. Um, uh, ne next up, uh, Ruby. Hey, Ruby. Ruby's joining the program next year. Ruby wrote, uh, hi, Chris. Uh, now, Todd, do you have any insights into how NFTs are being used to invest or fund a film project? Uh, sure. There, there are a number of ways. Obviously, if you're asking the question, you probably know something about the distribution methods. Um, and there are a number of companies, and actually I'm, I'm I'm talking with one right now called Binge Builder X, and their focus is on uh, literary, taking literary uh, people, people who write in screenplays, writing uh, content, and giving them the ability to uh, get funding, so early stage seed funding to be able to grow, and also provide them with uh, mechanisms to to launch their careers. So whether that be, um, you know, creating uh, visualization, so cool animated storyboards mm. of their screenplay they've written to get it out there to people, to get excitement so they, they can option their screenplay. Mm. Um, a lot of cool ways in the, in the you know, I, I focused on the, the media hype of, of Quentin Tarantino, but from the average person who's breaking into the film market, Film industry, I think is this is huge. I think this will provide huge opportunity. Everybody knows that you know celebrities have their own production companies, and it's very hard to break in and get money made in films. I think this will be huge for that world. And I have a, a good friend of mine who uh, who is trying to break in, and I, I think this will this will be a, a game changer for those kinds of people. It's amazing. It's amazing. And if anybody watching is interested in, in new media developments or wants some help uh, with how their company is going to re-architect and become uh, more media focused or Web 3.0 focused, please reach out to Todd. Uh, you can access his, uh, you can reach him on LinkedIn, Todd Martin. He has a consulting company called Todd Martin Consulting as well. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, ne next up, uh, uh, Taryn wrote, uh, what is a digital house which doesn't exist in the real world? I don't understand. Yeah. Sure. So when we went into the Shoyu uh, universe, when we went into their metaverse, that is an example of you could say that's a virtual house. You, so you could say that gallery, the Japanese mm -hmm. contemporary cool gallery, you could say that's, that's a house. And you could buy that house. But then, of course, you own the house. As an NFT, mm -hmm. but it, it's 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 not anywhere in a real estate. So, so then you, in theory, you need to buy real estate through one of the marketplaces to that go onto Coinbase and purchase real estate to be able to have a spot to place your house, which is a, was a which is a crazy concept. And then I'm sure there's going to be issues of well, your house is too big for the land that you purchased. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We try. Maybe that, yeah. that rule goes away. Who, who knows? Well, it's but. it's fascinating. Well, I think about Airbnb, um, and the best way I, I understand this is that you can rent a house like a gallery, for example. Or what you can do is, let's say you have a conference. I'm holding a big conference. Like tomorrow and Saturday, I'm holding this big options uh, a conference online, and I could rent somebody's house. Or, or a massive conference room, so we could all virtually be there as well. 
So it's uh, we'll see how it all, all plays out. It's interesting. Okay, cool. That's one that's interesting yeah. too. I think yeah. that, that Airbnb is they're getting in front of it. You yeah. know, and, instead yeah. of resisting it and saying, yeah. "Oh, everybody's going to the virtual world. Yeah. What about the real world?" Yeah. Instead of resisting it, there's a course online so for how you can use it in the metaverse. So yeah. that's a smart, yeah. smart move. It's amazing. A lot of companies are starting to kind of, from a PR perspective, embrace the metaverse and NFTs, which automatically adds market cap um, to to their to, to the value of the company, uh, and they use that as currency to make acquisitions, etc. And the most fascinating thing is this morning, uh, Square, after Jack Dorsey left, uh, Square just renamed themselves Block because of blockchain. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. cool. All right. Uh, next question is from uh, Raul, who said, um, hi, Chris and Todd. If someone owns an NFT like real estate and that person passed away, what happens to that NFT? Is that lost forever or does it go back to the market? And how would that happen? Yeah. I think a, a lot of that is still evolving, but the current thought, there was a whole legal uh, yeah. work stream at NFT NYC where there are tons of lawyers uh, and I went in there briefly and, and went through a couple sessions and, you know, all that is very fluid, but the concept is it's, it's an asset. It's something that you own. And so that would just like you own a, a car or you own a house or mm. you know, buy in a bank account, those things are then, you know, taken care of through wills and the normal, yeah. normal yeah. legal process. And it was interesting. There was also a company creating an NFT time capsule mm. where you could, create a snapshot of your life and your world and all these things that you could, if you did pass away, um, your, your, uh, the people, whoever you felt was close to you and you wanted to receive that would receive this time capsule that would either speak to them or provide a snapshot of your life or any, literally anything yeah. you want. It's fascinating. And for those out there <clears throat> like myself, that are having kind of issues understanding this whole virtual concept of owning stuff. The younger generation, like my kids, they, they have fewer toys, physical toys than I had growing up, but they're used to owning digital rights to stuff in the cloud, you know, whether it's a, a skin in Fortnite, um, a, a movie, etc. Um, and so it's, it's, it's interesting. And I, I saw the big generational issue with my kids a while ago. Um, it was time for dinner. And, and I told my kids, hey, come to dinner. And they said, no, dad, we're playing a video game. And I said, well, pause it. And they're like, they looked at me like you're crazy. You you can't pause a game online. So anyway, it's happening, man. I'm getting older. I'm having senior moments too. <laughs> All right. And and Rajesh said, uh, I really like today's uh, concept uh, of, of live. And I think Todd is awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and then next up, uh, uh, Yolanda, uh, who who graduated last year from the program. Yolanda, thank you so much for that that email. I I, I haven't gone through yet. I'll respond very soon. Thank you. So Yolanda wrote, uh, uh, does Todd know about uh, the, the therapeutic uh, metaverse? Let me ask him. Todd, do you know about the therapeutic metaverse? <laughs> That I don't know, but that wasn't yeah. one of my sessions, or, yeah. or I've never heard about it. I, in the, I uh, love the question. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's, I mean, I, I, the thing I could imagine, though, yeah. imagine here right yeah. now is that, let's say you're, you're, you know, you could have therapy for people who are afraid of spiders, and you could yeah. have a whole yeah. technique of exposing yeah. spiders and yeah. getting them over their phobia. But yeah, it's interesting. It's literally anything you can dream up. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm. I'm sure people are using Zoom as well for, for therapy and whatnot. I talked to my, my doctor using One Medical, um, uh, which is all, all virtual based for, for some of my, my health issues, like, yeah. my, like my cholesterol. 
Yeah, yeah. Which is that's another industry that exploded just due to COVID. Yeah, yeah. I I love necessity. Yeah, and I love One Medical as well. This is not a plug for for the company. I don't I don't don't own part of it, but so One Medical is a company that was backed by Kleiner Perkins, a great venture capital firm. And what One Medical does is they have offices all over the United States, and you can book online a, a, a doctor's appointment, and the doctor will actually show up at the right time when you go there. Right, and, and so it's it's scheduled uh, uh, appointments. You can do virtual ones as well, which I've, I've done a lot of uh, recently. Right, all right, cool. A uh, couple uh, last last questions here. Um, um, uh, and 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 Yolanda, I loved your question. Uh, next up, um, uh, Mike uh, wrote here: Will blockchain make copywriting and patents obsolete? Mm, I don't think it'll make it obsolete. Yeah. I think it will be a method of recording it you know i think it will be i think you'll file a patent it'll be it'll be on the blockchain and it'll help help with the authenticity authenticity you know on the blockchain you have the box and you have the time and the date and the owner and which block it is in the Mm -hmm. in the in the box of the blockchain Mm -hmm. you know i think that just will solidify the authenticity of those things i don't think it competes with it at all yeah it's like docusign online yeah all right, cool. Uh, next up, Rose, who graduated last year. How are you, Rose? Great, great to see you. Uh, Rose wrote, great presentation. I agree. Uh, Rose uh, uh, said, do you know about uh, the music industry's plans to start holding concerts in the metaverse? And do you think that'll be better or worse for artists? I, I think that's there, there's, there have been some initial things with that. Um, and I think that... Um, at least the artists that were in the sessions I was in, they were excited about it. They yeah. thought it was amazing. Like yeah. they, you know, some people love being on a tour bus for four months and some people don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so A, from a quality of, of living standpoint, I think the, for the people who aren't into that, you know, th- this gives them a whole, whole new world that they can do that in. Yeah. Um, so I think, and the, the, the thing the artists were excited about was the connect to, the connection they'll have with individual fans, that they can have all kinds of cool uh, value adds to NFTs and all these other things, giving people unique assets, like, you know, in, in a traditional concert now, sometimes you can go backstage and, and see an artist or thing like that. But th- this lets you scale that to a whole new level and off, offer them all kinds of crazy new uh, utility to those kinds of concepts. So it should, should, should be really fun. Yeah, you sell virtual concert t-shirts, uh, avatars, whatever it might be, skins. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, uh, next up, uh, Rawl wrote, uh, uh, thanks for the response, Todd. Uh, Chris, uh, how do you see the shift uh, in investments uh, between IPOs and ICOs uh, in, in the future? Sure. Um, so, so basically, um, I still think that the, an IPO is a much better way to raise capital. Uh, and I know the next question will probably be, well, what about SPACs? Um, well, the way it works with it, with initial public offerings, you have an investment bank do the underwriting. And by, by law, actually, if, you, if you're going to do an IPO, um, you have to actually get lawyers and investment bankers. I haven't used that in a while, sorry. Investment bankers to, to write up a, a very big prospectus. So when Facebook went public during the summer of 2012, uh, the lawyers and the investment bankers had to write up a massive investment offering right now to list on major stock markets uh, that are regulated. Um, you have to disclose all material risks. 
the problem when it comes to ICOs is, uh, or initial coin offerings, there, there's no process like that at all, right? You basically have a white paper and that's it. And um, a lot of people get scammed uh, with, with cryptocurrency ICOs. When it comes to SPACs, um, uh, I, I definitely prefer IPOs over SPACs because SPACs, you can actually go public within a couple months and there's not as much regulatory oversight, right? So the percent chance of getting scammed through a SPAC is higher uh, than with an IPO. Last thing I'll say about this is uh, if you want to, what you can do is just go to my uh, website, uh, which is um, Haroon MBA. We just deployed a, a new website. Um, and if you click up here on search, you can search for anything. So search for SPAC uh, or ICOs, for, for example. Uh, and then what you'll be able to see uh, is 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 a, a video on, on SPACs. Uh, they're all buried in here somewhere, right? So SPAC, actually not space, sorry. <laughs> right, right here, yeah. Uh, so, so I've got IPOs versus SPACs. And in this video here, um, what I... Should you invest in a tradition... What I did here was uh, I compared SPACs to ICOs uh, as well as, as IPOs. And so when it comes to, uh, to ICOs, it's high risk. Uh, IPOs are low risk. And SPAC is right uh, in the middle. And I go through this in a lot more detail as well in this video, which you can watch. Um, also, with, with IPOs, it takes you one to one and a half years uh, to actually go public uh, with a SPAC. It's usually a couple months, it can be six months. ICOs is much, much shorter time frame, So you don't have as much time or as many lawyers involved to be able to do due diligence. And the same thing with uh, investment bankers are not usually involved uh, with ICOs and sometimes they're involved with SPACs, but, but not as much. Okay. All right. Uh, 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 next up, uh, Rajesh wrote, um, I want to know who creates and who owns the base platform of the NFT world? <clears throat> and from whom are we buying digital land? I'm confused. For example, take real estate. Uh, one person owns it, uh, one sells it, but but where? How does that work? Yeah. Sure. So let's take one instance of that. So you could take something called Decentraland. So go yeah. if you if you just Google you know Decentraland, you'll find it. Um, mm. So anyone literally you the person who asked the question you can create your own land in, in the universe you just have to say you know i'm gonna i'm gonna start you know todd land and and everybody's gonna buy real estate in todd land it's gonna be amazing uh but the question would be are people gonna buy pay for real estate in todd land what's the uh what's the utility of that what's the uh what's the foot traffic there um but basically, you know, people just decided they were going to create Axie Infinity Land. They were going to create Sandbox. They were going to create uh, Decentraland. And then they're, they, they give the dimensions of this real estate and, and what the particulars are. And then they make that available through a marketplace. And they say there are 10 plots of land or there are 1,000 plots of land. And here are the sizes of those land. Yeah. And then the market tells that person is that, an interesting thing is that something I want to spend money for. So then you go to one of these marketplaces, you spend money for that. It's now registered that you have an NFT for that plot of land. Right. You know the Atari one, for example. Mm -hmm. Atari bought real estate. That por the, that portion of that world owns is owned by Atari. It's registered on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. You know when they purchased, how much they paid for it. Um, and then they have the ability to develop that land. So what are they going to do there? Are they going to put a a theme park there? Are they going to put some kind of a, a cool gaming world there? Are they going to have a gallery there where you can purchase other NFTs? Are they going to have 
virtual uh, gear, like uh, warfare, you know, things like shields and swords and stuff like that that you can visit in the store in that land to purchase that and use in the virtual world where there will there be a bi-directional thing in the physical world there's all uh, all those things to talk about it's fascinating I, I took my kids to disney world a bunch of other places as well and it's so interesting because they they we didn't line up to go on the roller coasters and rides we lined up to see one of those virtual gaming platforms for example you, you could be in uh, jurassic park uh, or you can be in a star wars movie and I think that theme parks in the future are all going to be online uh, through the metaverse uh, as well. So instead of going to flying to, to Japan to go to Nintendo World, you can see a virtual version of that. Now, in terms of, of, uh, of platforms, uh, the best investments we know are platforms on the road uh, and the platform. And, and you can do exceptionally well as the car is populated, etc. Now, when it comes to the NFTs uh, on a platform, <coughs> NFTs are created for the most part um, pardon me, on, on the Ethereum platform. Okay, so they're there. Uh, that, that's how they're birthed, so to speak. Uh, and in terms of where can you buy and sell uh, <clears throat> uh, NFT type products, uh, there are different platforms online. And I'll give you a, a very quick ex example here. So there, there's actually, um, uh, like I buy baseball cards uh, uh, online. Uh, there's Wax.io. OK, uh, and so this here is uh, a crypto that people use uh, to be able to buy cards, for example. And speaking of Atari, I just saw Atari right here is, is, as well. So I think there's going to be different marketplaces all over the world uh, where you'll be able online, meaning where you'll be able to actually um, uh, transact uh, in, in these sor sorts of things. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and then uh, ne next question um, I've, I've got is from uh, uh, Tarun who wrote, uh, Chris, uh, please make sure to support Team Sends the invite for tomorrow's session for 2022 attendees. I'm looking forward to attend. Thank you. Um, and, and, I'll, and I'll get back to that in, in a second with respect to tomorrow's conference after we, let, uh, after we finish with Todd. Thank you. Um, all right, cool. Next question is, um, is I, I guess, is Web 3.0 kind of like playing Minecraft? That's one way of looking at it, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's basically interactivity and ownership. Yeah. You know, in a, in a in the next in the next evolution. So it's that's why when when you see examples of it, like yeah. early glimpses of it, like yeah. if you go to Sandbox, if you yeah. or you, you go to Show You or things like that, uh, or Roblox, you know, that's that's what you're seeing, and and I think. <clears throat> That will evolve just like any technologies. Yeah. You know, yeah. you'll see it go in directions you'd never imagine. But but yeah, yeah that's a great way yeah. to 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 kind of understand what, what it's like is through uh, through Minecraft. Yeah. It's fascinating because I, I was actually a guest columnist in Wire magazine a couple that was me showing off. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and and I wrote about Microsoft's acquisition of of, um, of Mojang, which is the parent company of of, um, uh, of 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 Minecraft, and I talked about also um, how um, let me go here. Wired Chris Haroon. I also talked about how um, Microsoft is going to use Hololens um, uh, to to basically um, let's see here. Uh, Microsoft is going to use Hololens um, as, as a way to allow people to uh, browse or play within uh, Minecraft virtually. And, and I wrote this uh, in 2015. Uh, and so Microsoft bought HoloLens and 
I think the younger generation, what they do is when you when they think of Microsoft, they actually uh, uh, they think of it as a gaming company. And so if the younger generation uses HoloLens, for example, to build these wonderful masterpieces within uh, within uh, 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 this product here, uh, Minecraft, that is, then I think what's going to happen is in the future, that younger generation, as they start working, they will think of Microsoft and Minecraft and HoloLens as a software development kit of the future. And so I think Microsoft's ahead of the ball, ahead of the curve, so to speak, when, when it comes to this, this product. Uh, I think that Microsoft's uh, acquisition of Mojang, which is the parent company that owns uh, Minecraft, was the best acquisition they've done since they bought uh, MS-DOS. Uh, again, you can read about this online, just do a search on, on Wired. Um, anyway, you'll, you'll, you'll find the article. Okay. All right. Um, and then uh, I, I think what we're going to do is um, uh, we're, I'm going to let Todd go. We got a bunch of other questions. Todd, thank you so much for your time. I, I know this is supposed to be just a half hour uh, type thing. You're, you're the best. I love you, brother. Thank you so much. And for those that are interested in learning more about future media trends, follow Todd Martin uh, on LinkedIn. And if any big company is out there that wants to hire the McKinsey, so to speak, uh, of new media, uh, please contact Todd Martin uh, on LinkedIn because he has a great consulting firm called Todd Martin Consulting. Todd, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks, brother. Take care. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, man. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to go over here. Let me get set up here and I'll answer the rest of your, your questions here. All right. Fun. Let's do this. All right. Let me let me go right to the top and, and take your questions. Uh, so first up, I've got uh, Marwan. Uh, hey, Marwan, who wrote, hey, Chris, uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Um, do you prefer Ameritrade or Robinhood uh, or another broker? Yeah, yeah. I, I like Thinkorswim uh, just because I like the uh, the graphical user interface they have. Um, and in the options seminar that I'm teaching tomorrow, uh, as well as on, on, on Saturday, we're going to use Thinkorswim a lot. Um, now, once you understand uh, how to use one platform for trading options or investing in anything, the rest are pretty simplistic. In terms of which broker should you use, um, I think they're both reputable, uh, Ameritrade and, and Robinhood. Um, I think the one that you ultimately choose is the one that has the lowest commissions, and it's a race to zero. Right? And competition's great for the consumer because a lot of these great platforms, including Fidelity now, have zero commissions. And the way they make money is based on money you have in your account. They'll collect interest on it, or they'll actually sell your shares temporarily to somebody else that wants to borrow them, like a hedge fund that will short those securities. Yeah. All right, next up, I've got uh, Andre Rayford, who's in my MBA program. How are you? Uh, so Andre wrote, uh, hey, Chris and everyone, I'm currently in the silver on-demand version of my program. And you wrote, I'm loving every minute of it. Thank you. Uh, and then you wrote, uh, will the silver be upgraded uh, next year? Also, will the options course be part uh, of the silver MBA? It's already been added. So what I did was uh, last night, I added it uh, to all MBA programs. So anybody that's bought silver, gold, platinum this year or in the past, uh, it's already in your curriculum. And I'll show you really quickly how to access it uh, within the curriculum. And when you buy my, my MBA program, you get access to, um, you get access to, to everything. Um, uh, meaning you, you get access to all future content. Um, so the way to access it is you go over to uh, wherever you purchased it from. So you go to uh, learn.haroonventures.com. Uh, and then w once you're here, uh, you, you click on uh, whatever program it, it, it is you bought. And let me go to view all products here. So um, yeah, so right here. So it's actually, I added it last night. It's in the fourth semester in the fourth class. 
So it's semester four, class number four. So it's in the finance and accounting section, that's FA. So go to FA 4-4, that's finance and accounting, semester four, class number four. Uh, and so uh, let me just scroll down here um, and, and I'll show you that where in the curriculum you, you've, you've got it, okay? And, and all my new content will always be added, okay? So let me do a search here on the word options. See if it comes up. Here it is here. Great. Okay, great. All right. So uh, in your program, uh, what I want you to do is uh, go to semester four, okay? Uh, class number four for finance and accounting. And I've added all of it here, okay? And this is the unabridged version. Now, tomorrow and Saturday, I'm teaching the abridged, shorter version of this stuff. I'm only going to be doing 20 hours. Well, only 20. It's a lot. Uh, but it goes in much more detail here. Okay. And uh, again, anybody that bought silver, gold, platinum um, ever, uh, it's already been added to your, your curriculum. So you'll, you'll be able to check it check it out there. And if there's anybody that's uh, a gold or, or a platinum uh, customer of mine, uh, if you want, uh, what, what you can do, let me get back into real character here. Sorry, guys. Uh, if you want, what, what you can do is um, you can send an email to support at haroonventures.com and you can attend tomorrow's event, the options event, the two-day seminar I have that I talked about at the beginning of the webcast for free. All right. All right, next up, I've got uh, Peter, who's a, a new student. He's uh, 19 years old uh, from Romania. He's a big soccer fan or football fan, I should say. So Peter wrote, hi, Chris. Uh, hey, man. Uh, I, I want to ask, um, how uh, should we use uh, our hands when we talk to a group of people so we can make our message easier to understand or remember. Uh, thanks a lot and, and hi to everyone out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, the best public speaker on the planet today, uh, this is a bipartisan comment, uh, is Barack Obama. Uh, and so if you want, there's a, a short video that, that explains and shows you uh, how Obama presents, uh, which is amazing. And they actually analyzed his speech at the DNC uh, back in 2004. And um, he uses hands a lot. Um, so DNC, and I'll show you the, the video here. Yeah, here it is uh, right right here. So um, watch this speech here, okay? And watch how he uses hands as, as well. He, he's very animated. Um, he gets his point across. He doesn't point, that's apparently rude uh, when, when you're presenting, uh, but he uses hands a lot. Uh, and there's plenty of videos uh, directly on, um, on YouTube that, that will actually tell you um, how he uses hands a lot. So I would use him as your role model when it comes to uh, body language with respect to, to speaking. Yeah. All right. And I just finished his book actually uh, on on Audible. Um, and uh, you know I, I didn't vote for him, but but I but but I love him. Uh, and so the way he presents audibly as well is incredible. And, and I think just by listening to his book, which is 30 hours long, um, you can learn a lot about how to present uh, audibly as, as, as well. Yeah. And, and I tend to use my, my, my hands a lot as well, especially when I talk about numbers, right? So I'll do one, two, three, whatever like that. Um, I, I learned that I can't do that if you're from England because that's a swear word apparently, but I use my hands that way. Yeah, but just never, never point is what I would say. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, next up, uh, uh, Peter wrote, uh, do you have a podcast uh, or your thoughts about starting one? Uh, yeah, I, I do actually. So what I do is I repurpose all my content to the extent that after I'm done this weekly webcast, there's nothing left on the carcass, uh, so to speak. Uh, I repurpose everything I do into vlogs, as many of you know. And I do have a podcast. So uh, what you can do is you can go to my uh, 
my, my, my website to, to find it. Um, so let me go actually here to harunventures.com and I'm going to go to a, the wrong address on purpose because I want to show it to you here. Okay. So if you go down here to, to podcast, okay, if you click this here, um, I have a podcast um, and I've been doing it for a couple of years now. I've never really marketed it, but it, but it's there for you on all major platforms uh, if, if, if that's of interest to you. Thanks. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, next question is, is from Sanjay, uh, who wrote, uh, Hey, Chris, uh, hope you are doing well. Likewise, uh, I'm, an MBA, I'm an MBA graduate. Should I apply for an associate at an investment bank or as an analyst? Uh, note uh, that I have no prior working experience at all. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it, it depends. Like The title is very, very similar. So entry level uh, in a lot of places, uh, it's, it's an analyst. Um, they call it associate as well. I know that when I worked at, at Goldman Sachs, um, analyst was, was, was entry level and then associate was when you get promoted, then vice president, then, then manager. Um, so I, I would say that whatever those two positions you mentioned, whatever is entry level, that's what I would apply for. Okay? And I recommend uh, networking aggressively to get a gig at an investment bank. And don't ever send in your resume when you see an opening online for a job. Don't just send it in because, you know, the person that gets the job is usually somebody that knows someone at the company. It's true. So I think a better way to do it is to network aggressively uh, with people that work at that investment bank. And if you want, you can sign up for my MBA program because I teach you how to, how to network on steroids in order to get the job of your dreams. Yeah. Okay, um, uh, and then Sanjay, as a follow-up, wrote, also, in some of your videos, you were saying stuff uh, which were making uh, uh, Peter, Mil Peter uh, Thiel more richer than he is. So I was wondering, who is the wealthiest person in the world, uh, but not on paper? Uh, thank you. Yeah, well, I know Bezos is, is the wealthiest person in the world uh, on paper. Uh, in terms of, of, of your question on Peter Thiel uh, and my comments on him earlier, uh, I talked about him uh, with respect to avoiding paying taxes legally. So what Peter Thiel did uh, was uh, in the United States, uh, there's a retirement savings account that you can have called a Roth IRA. And the difference between a Roth IRA and traditional 401k or traditional uh, retirement savings programs is that with a Roth IRA, you pay taxes First, then you put the money in. And if the money grows, you never pay taxes when you take it out. And with a Roth IRA, what Peter Thiel did was he took his shares uh, um, in, in, in PayPal, which is a company he co-founded with Max Levchin. And he took his shares also in Palantir, a company he invested in. I was a, an investor with, with Peter Thiel, actually, when it was private, when I worked in VC. But what he did with his investments in Palantir, as well as with uh, PayPal, is he put those shares directly into his Roth IRA. Now, you can put a maximum of $6,000 or so into a Roth IRA every year. And so he paid taxes first, then he put the shares in at like 0 0.0001 penny per share. Uh, and and it's, it's worth between five and billion dollars, just those two assets in his Roth IRA as well. Now, the unfortunate thing is that uh, the, the wealthiest 400 families in the United States, uh, they pay an average tax rate of 23% versus the highest tax bracket of close to 40%. And one of the problems with the tax code in, in America and globally is that you get taxed based on real events, right? And so if I, if I sell shares in something and I make a lot of money, I pay taxes. 
But if you don't sell shares and your net worth just increases a lot every year because the price goes up in the shares you own, you don't pay taxes. There's no taxable event. And so back in 2007, when Jeff Bezos was already a billionaire there many times over, in 2007, not only did Jeff Bezos not pay any taxes, but he also claimed on his income tax returns $4,000 in tax credit for each of his four children. Uh, and so it, it's, it's unfortunate, but the tax code has to change. I think there has to be some sort of wealth tax uh, on billionaires. It's just not fair that they pay less in taxes than others do. And even Warren Buffett has publicly disclosed that it's not fair and that his assistant pays way more in taxes uh, percent-wise than he does. Yeah. And for more details on that, you can just go to my website, harunmba.com. Uh, and do a search on taxes up in the, the search menu there. And I've done other, over 10,000 questions that have been indexed uh, over the past couple of years on all major business and personal growth topics. You can always search there for more details. And if you're in one of my MBA programs, you can also search there on any key topic and then click to go right to where I talk about that in the MBA program as well. Thank you. Okay, uh, next up, wet trunks one, two, three. I wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, I recently got uh, placed uh, with a pharmaceutical regulatory company. I couldn't have done it without your guidance. Uh, thank you for being the best mentor and inspiration anyone could ever have. Thank, no, thank you for being a customer and, and, and congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm happy. Happy for you. Okay, uh, next up, uh, PNG. Uh, persona non grata, uh, wrote, Hi, Chris. Um, I attended a shareholder meeting last week and they deeply disagreed on the golden handcuffs. I understand that golden handcuffs qualitatively increase value in the long run uh, due to higher motivation of executives and decreases the value in the short run due to share dilution. Uh, but there is, uh, but where is the quantitative limit uh, to this operation? Thankfully yours, yeah. Thank you. That's a great question. So for those of you not familiar uh, with golden handcuffs, uh, what it means is, let's say that I have a company and, and, and you all work uh, with me um, and I don't want you to quit to go somewhere else. And so in addition to giving you a base salary, I give you shares every year in my company. Okay. Now these shares, you can't cash them in until four years from now. So that's called, and in four years from now, you can cash them in, which is called, which means they vest then. And so every year I give you shares every single year. And if you quit, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving a lot of unvested shares on the table if I quit. So I have golden handcuffs. I have to stay, I'm, I'm stuck. Uh, and so I like golden handcuffs, okay? Um, only because it, it, it incentivizes everybody uh, to be in alignment. Uh, and to want to add as much value to the company to make the share price go up, right? So there's a, a, a financial incentive for everybody to work together as a team. Yeah. yeah. But it's not enforced in, in all states, right? And there are always uh, loopholes as well. Like, for example, uh, in, in California, where I live right now, um, there's a, it's, it's the only state in the country where non-compete clauses are not upheld within contracts. And what that means is this. Let's say I work for uh, Facebook, for example, and I sign a contract with Facebook here in the Bay Area where I live, and I sign a contract to work for Facebook. And in the contract, it says, if you quit, you can't go to work at a competitor for at least a year afterwards. 
Well, in California, that's not upheld. And this is one of the reasons why there are a lot of tech companies in California because of the free flow of labor. And so I could quit Facebook, for example, and go across the street and join Pinterest the next day. And then two days later, I can come back to work at Facebook again. And it's interesting because uh, in the state of Washington, which is in the Pacific Northwest, where Microsoft and Amazon are based, you can't do that. So that's why there's not as many startups that come out of, out of Washington State. And so I've heard of instances of people that are engineers that work at Microsoft in Washington State, and they quit to go work at Amazon. And Amazon cannot let them be engineers. So they, they're in the finance department for a year. And once that one year non-compete is done, then they can move into the engineering department. But I think that that loophole with respect to non-competes not being upheld in the state of California is one of many reasons why there are a lot of great tech companies here. Yeah. All right. Uh, and the free flow of labor in, in general um, really has a material impact uh, on, on how well uh, an economy does. And so, for example, um, I worked at this hedge fund called Citadel years ago, and, and uh, Alan Greenspan uh, gave a, a lecture to us when I, when I was there at one of our offsites. And Greenspan said that the reason we had such unprecedented economic growth in the 1990s was not because of the internet. It was because the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. And when the Berlin Wall, uh, Wall fell in 1989, you had all of this brilliant and cheaper Eastern European labor moving west. And that kept inflation under control, which means you didn't have to, they didn't have to raise interest rates. So uh, the bottom line is that when you have free flow of labor in an economy or a state or any region, uh, your chances of seeing incredible economic growth goes up materially. All right. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Yolanda, uh, how are you? And thanks again, Yolanda, for that um, uh, for that email you sent me. I'll, I'll get back to you soon. That Yolanda graduated from my, um, my my platinum program last year. She's great. She's from Texas. Don't mess with Texas. So Yolanda wrote, "Hi, Chris. It's been a while since I've visited. I hope things are going well. Likewise, I'm looking forward to the options class tomorrow. Uh, thanks for everything you've done." to make uh, the MBA program uh, incredible. Thank you so much for, for being a part of it and for putting your faith in me uh, when, when we did our first class when we started back in 2019. I, I appreciate it. I, I had so many wonderful students, 162 students that signed up in 2019 for my one-year uh, program, and I didn't have a single lesson made. And so I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for, for being a part of it. And for anybody that's purchased the gold or platinum program uh, over the past couple of years, or even for next year, you've already paid you can email support at haroonventures.com and I'll send you a link to get free access uh, to tomorrow's uh, two-day events uh, on options that starts at 8 a.m. My, my time. Yeah, great to see you. All right, cool. And I remember your Halloween costume. It, it was awesome uh, years ago. All right, next up, uh, Zishan wrote, uh, hello, Chris, once again on another Thursday. Good to see you. Uh, I'm presently a cost accountant and a chartered accountant, a final level student in India. Cool. My question is whether I should pursue any additional accounting degree like US CPA, Certified Public Accountant, to have global acceptability or if you could suggest uh, something better. Yeah. So here, here's what I would do, and, and I'll make this a generic response as, as I usually do to appeal to everybody. 
uh, what I would do is I would go onto LinkedIn and find people that have the job that you want and look at their credentials. And if they have a CPA, for example, and they work offshore, but they have a CPA designation in the United States, then that then what you can do is reach out to them and ask them if that helped them to get that job. Or you can just look at a bunch of profiles and decide that, hey, I do need to get my CPA. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then a follow-up question is, what are your thoughts on the new COVID variant, uh, which is said to be faster spreading uh, than the Delta variant and its effect on the global economy uh, and the stock markets? Yeah, yeah. Well, well. first of all, hats off to, um, hats off to, to South Africa uh, for telling the world about this immediately. And it actually didn't originate in South Africa. It might have been Europe or maybe Botswana. Yeah. Um, so I agree with what Biden says. It's cause for concern, but not panic. We, we don't know. We don't know yet. Um, so, um, and when it comes to boosters and, and people were upset with me a couple of weeks ago when I said this, um, but look, I'm, I'm fully transparent and hopefully transparency builds some sort of trust or bond with my customers here, my students. Um, so I had, I got the first two, uh, Pfizer, um, um, uh, vaccines, uh, last year, uh, and I had an awful reaction after the second one. Um, I'm glad I got it, but when it comes to the booster, um, I'm going to wait just a little bit to see more data to see uh, from FDA approval and European regulatory approval if there are side effects. That's just me. That's just me. But I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but I, I, I am concerned, of course, about Omicron uh, or, or whatever it's called. Um, but I just don't have enough data yet to, to, to give you an informed opinion, nor am I a doctor either. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it becomes self-fulfilling at times. Um, you know, already we're, we're starting to see uh, uh, an impact on travel, right? Especially internationally, of course. And I know that Israel has closed borders to all countries. Uh, in certain regions, I think Germany also, uh, certain parts of Germany are under quarantine right now just in case. Um, but, but, but I think that perception ultimately becomes reality uh, when it comes to how people deal with a crisis, uh, especially uh, when it comes to COVID. We are seeing an economic impact already, which is why the markets pull back a little bit because the stock market tends to discount what's going to happen to the economy and business-wise uh, in the future. And for my, my gold and platinum students, uh, we have our uh, annual uh, networking event uh, and annual graduation here in the Bay Area on the weekend of December 18th and 19th. And I rented a great museum. Uh, and uh, my gut is that some people overseas won't be able to make it, which breaks my heart. But we are going to webcast it as well. And we'll still have a lot of people at the event in that museum I rented. If you're a gold or platinum student and you want to attend here in person uh, on the 18th, send an email to support at haroonventures.com. So that's Saturday the 18th uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, of December. And then on Sunday the 19th of December um, at, uh, at the hotel people are staying in here in the Bay Area, uh, in the lobby, I'm going to be doing 12 hours in a row uh, of, of uh, one-on-one meetings in person. Yeah. And I guess we'll have to wear masks. Yeah. All right, uh, next up, Demian. How are you? Demian uh, uh, was a silver uh, MBA student and recently upgraded to platinum. I'm looking forward to working with you, Demian. Uh, Demian as well. Demian is, is from Mexico originally. Uh, he and his wife and daughter now live in, in beautiful Barcelona. Uh, he, he's a great guy. Uh, and Demian, I know you had a question about that Excel spreadsheet, the portfolio management one. I responded to it uh, as well. Please let me know if you're still having issues with it. Uh, so Demian wrote, uh, Dear Chris, uh, good morning. Good morning to you too. I hope you're well. 
I'm intensely studying the complete options course. I'm currently in section 1.4. Oh, cool. And I'm enjoying a lot and learning consistently and thoroughly. Thank you so much. Thank you for, 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 for using it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Demian wrote, um, give me one second. Every now and then, guys, it, YouTube jumps on me when I get a lot of questions. So I got to do a search for the word Demian. Here we go. Thanks. And then you wrote, uh, thank you for the course and valuable knowledge. You're most welcome. I'm so excited about the special live uh, option seminar. Uh, see you there. Uh, for sure, big hug. B big hug right back at you as well. Thank you. Thank you. And we got Raquel is on the call as well. Raquel is a current year Platinum student. She's also from Barcelona. I hope you get a chance to meet with her. She's great. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Nico says hello and a big heart. Thank you. Right back at you. Uh, and then I've got uh, Patrick. Oh, Patrick, how are you? It's been a while. Uh, Patrick wrote, uh, uh, that's great. The option course is finally here. Yeah. I work so hard and, and God bless my team for doing a great job as well, helping out with the, the editing, uh, specifically uh, Doug and Matt uh, as well, and Daniil who's helping out as well, and then John Marco who helped with the trailer. Thank you. Um, okay, and then T, Tony, uh, wrote, Hi, Chris. Uh, thanks for your weekly lives. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for being here. Um, uh, and, and I know that you're, you're, you're from Montreal and you moved to Toronto. Which means, of course, you're, you're not a Habs fan anymore. You, you, you love the Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs, right? That's my team represent. And this is a prop from the option seminar I'm doing tomorrow because what I do is I talk about how... Um, I've got to show you the other prop. I talk about how when it comes to options, it's, it's offensive, meaning you try to score a goal. This is a call. And then it's also defensive because you can buy puts. And then tomorrow in the seminar, what I'm going to do with, with tons of props um, is I'm also going to teach you about selling short, because I used to work at a hedge fund for years, uh, stocks, short stocks, as well as options. I'll explain how that works, how to write options, what the risks are, et cetera, uh, in tomorrow's seminar. And, and for those of you just watching, uh, just joining uh, the webcast now, you can rewind, go back to the beginning. I, I talked about the options uh, seminar tomorrow in, in more detail there. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, and then um, uh, 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 Tony wrote, I, I have a question for publishing a course on Udemy. Sure. Uh, since you're the, the expert, no, I've made every mistake there is to make. Um, uh, you wrote, um, here are my questions. Number one, can you publish on different educational platforms uh, besides uh, Udemy? Yeah, you, you can. You can. But if you want your courses to be in what's called uh, Udemy Business, which is Udemy subscription program for big companies, then it's exclusive there. However, you can still have it on your own website if you want to. Yeah. Uh, and if you publish courses before the summer 2018, uh, those are grandfathered in, so they can be on other platforms uh, as well. Yeah. But in EdTech, Udemy is Google and everyone else is Bing. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, and I see there, there might be questions about Udemy stock. Somebody mentioned it. Um, I, I'm not going to, I can't comment on it. Um, only because it would, it would be a conflict of interest, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, next up, uh, Tony wrote, uh, can you promote your Udemy course through paid ads or are there issues uh, for direct linking from platforms uh, like YouTube? Yeah. So it, it's, it's really hard to do. It, it's tough to do. If you have a higher price product, uh, you can figure that out uh, and make money that way. Um, but it, it's tough. And, and so Udemy has got over a thousand employees. Uh, they're a big data powerhouse 
They're a marketing uh, and engineering ed tech firm, and they figured out the algorithm in terms of how to profitably uh, market courses globally. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're going to use paid ads for anything, um, I, I would make sure it's for products uh, that are at least $100 or more. Yeah, uh, in order to make it worth, worth your while. Uh, and the best platform, and I hate to say this, but I have to be honest, the best platform to use for ads uh, is, is Facebook, right? And I, look, I want to avoid Facebook for, for so many ethical reasons, but I can't when it comes to business because, uh, you know, Facebook, this is crazy, but um, uh, 40% of people on the planet use at least one Facebook app every single month. And it's still the most cost-effective way to advertise, much better than Google AdWords or YouTube ads, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Tony wrote, um, what has been uh, your most effective channel for promoting uh, your Udemy courses? Yeah, uh, I would say YouTube. You know, YouTube is the only gold rush in history where it costs you nothing to make the product. And YouTube is the only gold rush in history where you can get immediate access to billions of potential customers for free. Yeah. And the way you got to think about YouTube, if you want to create a social media strategy, is you have to add value and help people, okay? And do it from your heart, obviously. You've got a big heart, T. Uh, but, but help people. You know, give, give and you'll receive. It's prophetic. It's been true since the beginning of time. And uh, you're, you're from Toronto, so you'll love this analogy. But every video that I make uh, on YouTube, I think of it like it's a little uh, Tim Hortons coffee shop. And Tim Hortons, for those of you not familiar, has 70% market share in Canada, right? It's a national pride issue. I love it. Versus versus uh, Starbucks uh, only has 40% uh, share in the United States. But each little uh, video I make, it's like a coffee shop. It's like a Tim Hortons franchise. Um, and as Warren Buffett said, the longer the view, the wiser the intention. And I know longer term, these, these will hopefully generate a lot. I can build tons more schools uh, overseas for free. Okay. All right. Next, next up. Um, uh, oh, I read that one from Mike. Always, yeah. Uh, next up, uh, King of Dreams uh, uh, wrote. That's a cool name. Wrote. Uh, what do you think about the political situation going on with China and controlling global resources? Is there a potential war with the United States? Yeah. Yeah. So I, w I was listening. So every morning when I get up and I brush my teeth and get ready for this thing, um, I listen to the, the Wall Street Journal podcast. It's a great way to actually. Um, uh, uh, get a five-minute business update every day. So I do it like this. Alexa, what's the Wall Street Journal news today? From the Wall Street Journal. Facebook has invested $13 billion in teams and technology to enhance safety over the last five years. In the past few months, they've taken down 1.7 billion fake accounts. Learn more about their ongoing work Ale at about.fb.com. Alexa, stop. I still don't trust you, Facebook. Yeah, but I listen to the uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, news briefing every morning, uh, and I see the same news you see or heard, I should say, with respect to, to China. Uh, and so people are talking about how, how China is trying to be um, a little bit more influential in the Middle East now. Um, and uh, I got to say, China has been good staying out of global uh, geopolitical issues uh, as well. They, they've kept to themselves, uh, which is cool, uh, but they're getting a little bit more involved now in the Middle East. And I think one of the reasons is because, you know, China has this voracious appetite for natural resources and the Chinese economy can't slow down too much. Otherwise, there'll be civil unrest. Think of Tiananmen Square back in 89. And so they have to have access uh, to, to, to commodities at reasonable prices. 
And so I think that's why they're being a little bit more active uh, in the Middle East. Uh, now, in that same article from the Wall Street Journal uh, this morning that, that I listened to, um, you know, Americans were polled and they were asked, um, you know, who's the, the biggest threat to the United States? Uh, and it's, it's no longer Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran. Uh, it's, now, it's now China, you know, just because they're just a big economy, right? And the Chinese economy will pass the U.S. economy in terms of GDP by probably the year uh, uh, 2040, as long as there's no uh, civil unrest. Yeah, and there's some people, some people speculate that the United States pulled out of Afghanistan because uh, they want the CIA and, and, and other, uh, uh, other government entities in the United States to focus uh, on, on China. I'm an optimist, though. I, I, think, I think they're incredibly rational. Both sides are. Um, so I, I, I'm an optimist, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and then uh, 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 Demian wrote here, um, you've heard about uh, Tom uh, Sosnoff, uh, the creator of Thinkorswim. I, I haven't heard of him, but I know Thinkorswim well. Thinkorswim, for those of you not familiar, is a platform owned by uh, uh, Toronto Dominion which allows you to transact uh, in stocks uh, online. They've got a great software program you can download if you're in the United States. If you're not in the United States, you might be able to use a VPN to use that product, yeah. Uh, and then you wrote, with respect to uh, Thinkorswim, the founder, Tom, he's created a broker called Tastyworks that specializes in options. You could tell me, can you tell me your thoughts about it? Yeah, I, I don't have any thoughts uh, on that. I, I've, I've never used that product, but I do know that Thinkorswim is fantastic. Uh, now, for those of you that, that want to start transacting in options, I recommend practicing for at least six months first. Um, and I've used Thinkorswim to practice a lot, and I'll show you how tomorrow as well in the option seminar. I've used Thinkorswim to practice a lot as well because it allows you to create a paper-based portfolio and a real portfolio. But I recommend practicing with a paper portfolio on whatever platforms people want to use for at least six months before transacting in options because options can be dangerous if not used correctly. Now, if you're not in the United States, what you can do is you can do a search in, in Google for um, what is the Thinkorswim competing product in and then put in your country name. Yeah. There's a lot of great products out there. A lot of apps as well. Okay. And then T wrote, Tony wrote, you do fantastic work, Chris. Thanks, brother. Uh, good good to see you. Uh, and, and sorry, sorry. Canadian to Canadian about my Toronto Maple Leafs comments. I know you're from Montreal, but you live in Toronto and you're definitely still a Habs fan, Montreal Canadiens. But you know what, dude? I know that we haven't won the Stanley Cup since the 60s, but because the Hockey Hall of Fame is in Toronto, the Stanley Cup is always in Toronto. Yeah. All right. You're all very inspired. Thanks, buddy. And I, and I tease you because I love you. All right. Uh, uh, next up, uh, the Financial Advisor Show wrote, hi, hi, Chris. Hi, everyone. Your options course is fantastic. I just started it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I was so sad when it was over. Like I kind of, it's kind of like when you read a book and you finish the book and you put it in your bookshelf. You're like, oh, I'm proud. I finished that. But you're sad because part of you, it's, it's gone. Like I had so much fun doing it. And that's why I want to relive the moment, so to speak, uh, with doing this option seminar over the next two days. Yeah, it should be fun. Thank you. Um, uh, and then, hey, Manas, how are you? Manas is from India. He published a book, which I bought, which is great, called Bonds Before Business. He's also an instructor on, on Udemy. So Manas wrote, uh, good morning, my, my dear mentor. Chris, please. Hope all is well. Your crypto course is awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Thank you. And when I made that cryptocurrency course, um, I was initially I was bullish on, on cryptos, meaning I was positive. And I started investing in cryptocurrency companies uh, back in 2013. I was on the board of a couple of companies when I worked in venture capital. Um, and then I was bullish on cryptos. And so I made this course and I was 710 positive or bullish on cryptos when I started making the course. And by the time I was done, I was, I was a three out of 10. And I'm a three out of 10 because it, it breaks my heart how many people are getting scammed. And so what I did was um, I, I actually made um, within the course, um, I, there's a way for you to create an IPO perspective, so to speak, from a due diligence perspective uh, for cryptocurrencies, right? And so I recreated this so that my, my students could do their own research and not get scammed. And if you're curious about, uh, about cryptocurrency uh, scammers, um, and, and probably the, the vlog, one of the vlogs I'm most proud about, um, you can go directly to um, LinkedIn. And if you go directly to my, my, my profile page here, um, you'll see here uh, confronting a, a cryptocurrency scammer. Somebody tried to, to scam me. And so what, what I did was um, I, I, I found them and I confronted them. I got the police involved. I didn't press charges, but you can watch that video to see what, what I actually did. All right. All right. Uh, and, and then uh, uh, Tony wrote, uh, is it better to sell or buy uh, NFTs? Yeah, it's tough because it's it's like saying, is it better? To, it's a great question. It's like saying, is it better to sell or, or buy stocks? Uh, it all depends on your long-term investment thesis on a particular NFT. Now, what I would say is if you're going to invest in NFTs, as Gary Vaynerchuk correctly said, Make sure it's money you can afford to lose because this is the wild, wild west. Uh, and with all uh, new markets, there's a lot of crap out there as well. And unfortunately, all strips tend to rise price wise. And so I would make sure I'd look at supply. Make sure that there's not a, a massive amount of supply uh, when it comes to buying uh, NFTs. And I think you're, you're best off looking at investing maybe in sports cards for NFTs. Uh, for example, Tops has made uh, uh, digital NFTs as well. But look at the supply first and make sure supply is relatively low. Yeah. All right. Um, but if you really made me decide, if I had a lot of NFTs, which I don't, I'd be a seller. Yeah. There's going to be great NFTs that exist longer term. But it's getting ridiculous to the extent that anybody that's a uh, an artist or wants to be an artist can draw something and then sell it. Um, it's, it's out there. It's kind of like saying, let's pretend that the whole market of being able to, to paint and make paintings was just created. And so everyone's creating paintings. Well, it's not a, you know, Michelangelo or Da Vinci or, or Raph, Raphael or Donatello. And I thought of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to remember those, by the way. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it doesn't make sense to buy crap. Um, but it, this is normal for, for a brand new market. Um, it's just what happens. It happened with Internet 1.0 back in the 90s, too, when a lot of companies, uh, any company that, that said they have a website, their stock went up in price. And there's a lot of crap out there like Pets.com, which was the company that went public, which is the poster troll for, child for the Internet bubble 1.0. Pets.com went public and they sell pet food online. And how do you compete with Amazon? Yeah, I'd be careful. All right, next up, Amanos wrote, my mentor, do we need to pay the gas fees every time we put up NFT or is it just the first time? A very intriguing question that is causing I me mean, nowadays. You pay once. You, you buy the NFT once and that's it. 
right? So you use uh, Ethereum or Ether, I should say, on the Ethereum platform or, or, or Bitcoin or wherever crypto it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, or Wax, which is another crypto that, I, that I've used uh, to buy cards. Yeah. All right. Now, next up, uh, Naveed wrote, uh, hey, Chris, uh, I, I bought your options course on Udemy. Uh, can you please advise if the instructions to open an account and trading are included in the course? Uh, I'm planning to start uh, very soon. Uh, kudos to your great effort. Yeah, no, it's 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 actually in the course. Yeah. So uh, when you're in the main menu of all the, the lectures, just do a search control F or command F on your keyboard on the word open. Yeah. And you'll see uh, it, it tells you how to open an options account, but it's very generic of a lecture. I think it's like only 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and I explain exactly how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Give, give me one second here. Okay. Because um, I might be able to show you right now. Hold on a second. And I, I'm going to show you uh, behind the scenes what I'm looking at right now. Okay. So uh, I'm looking at all, all the lectures here. And tomorrow I'm going to be going through the whole course. There's a couple hundred lectures. Uh, and then I'll be doing a couple hundred, uh, literally a couple hundred of, of Q&A sessions after each one, answering all questions so there's no more left. But it was, it was one of the side notes, right? So uh, give me one second. All right, so I think it's here. Side note, side note. Hold on one second. And you guys can access all this uh, within the curriculum if, if you bought the course already. Yeah, so just do a search for, for side note, uh, how to open an account. And now that I've got you here, I, I guess I'm gonna have to, to, to add it. So let me let me add the video right now and I'll show it to you. It's a really short video. Okay, so I'm gonna go here to options, uh, oops, options event, uh, and I'll go down here to um, side notes, hold on. And uh, here we go, opening an account, yeah. All right, so he, here's the video here. Um, uh, what, what I'll do is I'll show this to you while I take a, a, a quick break and, and I'll be right back. Okay? Thanks. Opening an account to trade options is not as simple as opening an account to buy or sell stocks. Uh, quite often what you need to do is you need to sign a contract uh, that will let you use margin if the account is approved. Now, margin means investing money you don't have and it can be very dangerous, so please be careful. And please never even think about using margin unless you practice options for at least six to 12 months. Now, if you own one call or one put contract, and if you don't sell it after expiration and the option is in the money, then you might be forced to buy 100 shares if it's a call and the call's in the money, or you might be forced to short 100 shares if it's a put and the put's in the money. And if you don't have enough money in your account, then the brokerage service might give you margin so that you can buy or short the 100 shares. And what that means is this. Let's say you have $100 in your account and it's past options expiration and the call or put that you own is in the money and you're forced to buy or short $150 worth of shares, for example, and you only have $100 in your account then the brokerage service might automatically lend you the additional $50 that you must pay back. It gets worse if you wrote the option contract and you're automatically randomly assigned. Now, for more details on option assignment, please click the uh, settings uh, hockey puck icon right here. And then what you can do is you can scroll down. And down here, I have a lot of terms that are alphabetically uh, sorted. And you can click here on assignment to watch a video on that topic.
So margin is so dangerous. And Warren Buffett called derivative contracts, including options, financial weapons of mass destruction. And margin actually almost caused all bank machines to stop working in 2008. So please be very careful. Now, many brokerage services won't let you open an account if you don't live in the same country where the brokerage service is based. Also, in some countries, when you open an options account, you cannot use uh, the options account for your retirement savings. Or if you can, you can only use certain option features or levels. And I'll talk about levels in a second. Now, if you don't know how to open an options account in your country, search Google for the five largest banks in your country, and then call all those banks, all five of them, and ask them if they have a brokerage department that lets you trade options. If not, you can search for options trading uh, over Google and your country. And mutual fund companies like Fidelity, etc., they now let you trade options. And there's plenty of companies out there like Robinhood uh, that let you trade options as well. And if you don't have Robinhood in your country, just do a search for what is the equivalent of Robinhood in your country name. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> now, on, on the option account application, sometimes you'll see dimensions of levels one, two, three, four, five. Level one means you can transact in cash secured puts and covered calls. And in these option strategies, the risk to the brokerage firm uh, is relatively low. And if you want, you can go to the settings tab again here and you can scroll down to learn about cash secured puts and covered calls and much more stuff as well. Now, level two, level two means you can do everything in level one, plus you can buy puts and you can buy calls. Level three includes everything from levels one and two, plus you can write certain spreads. And to understand what many spreads-based uh, option strategies are, you can go to the settings tab again here, uh, and then what you can do is you can filter based on the word spread. So if you scroll over here, and you select right here, and you go contains, and then you enter spread and you hit enter, you will see here a bunch of spreads. Okay, and you can click on those if you want to um, for more details on spreads. And let me just clear this filter here. Okay, cool, fun. All right, now levels four and five includes levels one to three. Plus you can invest in naked calls or puts uh, and, and the other more advanced options not mentioned uh, so far in this video. Now. The option strategies in the levels can change. So please ask your broker for more details on which option strategies you can transact in for levels four and five and all levels in, in general. Now, when it comes to using options software on a mobile device or on your computer, once you understand the basics in this course, they're all easy to use. And what I'm gonna do is I'm going to log in to TD Ameritrade, okay? TD Ameritrade has a product called Thinkorswim and it takes a second sometimes to log in because they have updates all the time. So, and you can just do a search for Thinkorswim if it works in your country. And if it doesn't, I'll, I'll tell you what to do in a second. All right, so it's installing updates, all right? So while it's installing updates, I'll talk a little bit about this. All right, so what I'll do in a second is I'll quickly log into TD Ameritrade's uh, Think or Swim platform, okay, which lets you trade options. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna show you the basics and you might actually be able to open a Thinkorswim account in your country using a VPN if you want to, and if you're allowed to use that. 
Um, it, it's all good though if you can't do that because there's many other websites and brokerage companies and apps that let you practice trading options. Uh, and you can always search Google for ones that work in your country, meaning trading software I can use in my country for practicing. So here's what I'll do. I'm, I'm gonna log in right now, okay? And what you'll see at the bottom there, what you'll see at the bottom is paper money or live trading, okay? So I want you to practice for at least six months first. So we're gonna do paper money right here. And I'm gonna show you just some of the basics here. And after you take all the lessons uh, in, in this course, it'll be much more intuitive for you. This is me buying time while it opens up. <clears throat> here we go, great. All right, so it looks a bit intimidating, but don't let it intimidate you. So what you can do is you click here on trade and you can buy stocks or you can do options. I'm just gonna focus on options, of course. So you enter in the ticker here, okay? So Intel is already there, type it again, okay. And right here, this is uh, Intel, okay, the last price. And, and right now the markets are open, okay. So what you can do is you can buy options on Intel. So I can scroll down here and I see what's called the options chain here. And what this means is what options can I trade for Intel based on what expiration dates? And if you can't see all of them here, what you can do is, I'll show you here. So you can go here, show all strikes, okay? Sometimes it only shows four or five or six or whatever it is. And what I'm showing you here, <clears throat> pardon me, you can also access, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, I'm completely fine, I just don't sound fine, it's okay. Um, but what you can do is everything I'm gonna show you here, you can also access uh, on Yahoo Finance. So for example, right here, if we look at the, uh, just to be consistent with what we talked about in the course, if we look at the January 22nd options uh, for Intel, you can see calls here and puts here. And software platforms usually have the calls on the left side and the puts on the right side, or calls at the top and puts at the bottom. And let me go here quickly to um, Yahoo Finance. All right, so Yahoo Finance, what you can do is if the stock has options, you'll see down here when you click on the options that you see options here. And so right here, you have calls on the top and then, and then puts on the bottom. Now, whenever you see something shaded, we know that means in the money and not shaded means out of the money. Let me go back to Thinkorswim now. Okay, so right here, you've got in the money calls, out of the money calls. All right. Now, buying an option is, is pretty easy. Let me just delete that. That's, uh, that's legacy old stuff. Buying an option is pretty easy. So let's say we want to buy the January 22nd uh, 50 strike uh, Intel call. So right here, I'll click here. And you can even right click and select buy if you want to. It fills it in below as well. But you right click and whatever you use any software product that you download, the developers anticipate what you're thinking when you right click usually. Okay, so I'm going to select here, buy a single uh, option, okay? And it's going to add it down here. Now, if what I did instead was I right-clicked here and I selected buy a, a butterfly, which, you which we cover in section three, it will automatically create it for you here, okay? And the reason why it's got two contracts here, and you'll find that when I teach iron butterflies in section uh, number, number three, um, there's two uh, options here. There's actually four in total. One, two, three, four. It's a four option uh, a trade. And then you hit confirm and send, okay? And right here, it'll tell you your maximum profit and maximum loss. 
So we can't lose a fortune doing this. But there's also a risk of you getting assigned, right? If you create this, meaning you sell this option. And for details on assignment, again, go back and, and check out the settings tab. All right, so let me go here and let me delete this trade. Now, when it comes to a put, it's the same thing. You select whatever put you wanna transact in, you right click and you select buy, okay? If it's a single put, okay? So we're buying a single put here. Now, as you go through this, um, there's certain parameters that you can change. So I can go here and I can change it um, from a market order to a limit order. And what that means is if I select limit, I can put in a price I want to buy this at, right? Usually I'll select a low price so I can get filled at a lower price, hopefully. Or I can select market and just get, let the market uh, fill it for me. In terms of over here, do I want it to just be a trade for today? Well, I can select GTC, which means good till canceled. Some people call it good till closed. So I usually just do a day trade. And over here is what exchange you want to use. There's tons of exchanges and I just select best. And the software product will select the best execution, meaning best pricing, hopefully, that I can get. Or I can select the CBOE, et cetera. And there's tons of exchanges you can select. I suggest always using best. Now, what you can also do is you can analyze trades as well here. Okay, you can look at volatility. Um, and if you're curious about volatility, meaning historic versus implied, you can always go to the settings tab and click on volatility there. And there's probabilities here as well, which, which we cover in the course in section uh, num number two. There's also education as well. You can learn stuff here. It's all, this is browser loading right here. You can go to their website, it's the same thing. Um, so anyway, uh, check it out if you want to. Thinkorswim is great. Again, use simulated trading, meaning a paper portfolio, not real money, for at least six to 12 months when you first start out. If you can't access Thinkorswim, which again is made by TD Ameritrade uh, in your country, if you can't access it, there's plenty of other software products you can use that will work in your country when you practice using options. The bottom line though is, if you're gonna open an options account, please thoroughly understand what margin means. Thank you. All right, thank you all for letting me take a quick quick break there. I've got this new desk. Um, so my, my old desk uh, stopped working. I worked my equipment hard here. This thing is crazy, man. All right. This desk I've got here, it's eight feet wide. And it's perfect because uh, for, for what I do, it's my, my gig here, my, my, my job. It's, it's perfect because uh, with the event tomorrow uh, and, and on, on Saturday, the two-day, 20-hour option seminar, um, I've got props all over the place here. So I, I have them all nicely laid out. This is for Monte Carlo simulation, which is how you do options. One of three ways to value options. So it should be fun. All right. Okay, um, uh, uh, next up, um, uh, Tony wrote, how do you create and sell NFTs? I'm in Europe. Oh, Tony, you are, I'm so sorry. I had another student named Tony from Toronto. Sorry about that, uh, but I'm not sorry about the Montreal Canadiens comment because I'm a Toronto, Blue Jay, or Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Um, so NFTs, um, you, you create them on the Ethereum platform. Yeah, and then you sell them that way uh, on the Ethereum platform. And then you sell it, once you create the product itself, then you can sell it on different specialized markets. Like you can go to Wax.io, for example, to sell baseball cards, et cetera. Yeah. You can even buy them uh, on um, uh, and sell them on, on eBay. Um, but if you're going to do that, uh, let me show you quickly on, on eBay because I know I'll get some, some questions on this. Sorry, man. I, th I thought you're from, uh, uh, I thought I have another student named, named Tony from uh, uh, Toronto that was from Montreal. All right. So what you do is you go to eBay, 
right? Uh, and just use this to be able to understand uh, what the latest price has been uh, for uh, uh, transactions that, that have ended. So I'll do a search on NFT, I don't know, Trout. Mike Trout's a baseball player. Here it is here, okay, good. All right, so what you do is once you enter that in, I want you to scroll down on the left side, okay? Uh, and then um, I want you to click here, whoops. I want you to click here on sold items, okay? And we're just gonna look at sold items because we know the price of anything is based on the last transaction price. Uh, and so for example, this card here looks like the going price and green means it's sold, okay? Uh, is $9.99. This one is higher price, I remember this one well. Um, it, and I missed this one. I tried to buy it on day one. I couldn't get it. And the price of this one here, Mike Trout card, uh, was literally a hundred bucks. Uh, I didn't pull the trigger, but, uh, and this one's a little bit more rare, but, but you can always find out the latest price for them. If you see multiple, uh, transactions here, don't just do it. If you see one transaction, cause one data point doesn't make a trend. You want to look to see uh, multiple. All right. Cool. All right, uh, uh, next up, um, uh, Yolanda wrote, I'm looking forward to today's uh, uh, presentation. Yeah, T Todd did a great job, great job. Uh, next up, we got E. Pronto from Toronto, uh, who wrote, uh, hey, Chris, I, I love the book you recommended, Who Said Elephants uh, Can't Can't Fly? Yeah, and that's a book uh, written by uh, Lou Gertzner, uh, who used to work at McKinsey, and then he did the historic turnaround as CEO. Of, of IBM back in the 90s. And what he did was he sold off uh, IBM's computer assets um, to Lenovo. So a ThinkPad is actually a Chinese company, Lenovo. Uh, he also spun off Lexmark, the printer company, into a separate IPO, different company. And what he did was he actually grew IBM by acquiring software companies. And he grew IBM's uh, global services consulting division. And what, what happens is IBM's massive powerhouse of a consulting division um, they, they help clients change to be more successful. But what they do is when they're on client site consulting, that's a distribution channel for them to sell all of IBM software products, which are higher margin products. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Naveed uh, wrote, um, uh, any difference in your option course on Udemy uh, versus your own uh, education uh, website? No, they're the same. They're the same. But for tomorrow's event, uh, if you buy it on my website, you get to attend tomorrow's events and the next day uh, as well. Yeah. And Udemy is a great partner of mine. Okay. Um, and then Naveed wrote, uh, by the way, I'm based in the United Kingdom. So I'm interested in, in, in trying trading option strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll, you'll enjoy the event. And look, if uh, I, I stand by my, my policy, my return policy, and the company is only as good as customer service. Uh, and so um, that was, I know, used car salesman talk. I get it. But if you buy my program and watch it tomorrow and the next day and you don't like it, you get your money back. It's, it's, it's a great deal, right? You have 30 days to get your money back. And the same thing with my, my MBA programs. Uh, there's a 30-day 100% money back guarantee. Yeah. So you got nothing to lose. And no other MBA school does that. Okay. Okay. Next up, uh, John Clee. Hey, John, how are you? John is from uh, Rochester. Great guy. Uh, he works with me now. He's amazing. I met him on week number 10 here. Uh, we're on week number 164 now. Uh, and I put up a, a, a job opening on my website and he applied for it and he works with me. He's great. So John wrote, uh, uh, hey, Chris, uh, uh, did you see the Temple University uh, Business School dean was found guilty? Oh, 
of artificially raising rankings uh, to make their MBA program look more appealing. Very sad. That would never happen at Haroon Education Ventures. You know, totally. Thanks for sharing that with me. Here at Haroon Education Ventures in our MBA program, we're very ethical. Okay, uh, and uh, the the MBA in my program stands for married but available. Okay. Okay. Next question I've got. It, no, I'm just kidding. This this never comes off. I've got the best marriage ever. Yeah, this doesn't come off. Yeah. Or when it does, I'm in a bar. People are like, "Why do you have a tan line there?" I'm just, I'm kidding. Never never comes off. Yeah. All right. Um, great. Okay. I'll put it back on. Okay. Okay, uh, uh, and then uh, uh, I'm just skipping over the questions uh, that people had for, for Todd earlier. Uh, a lot of great questions. Todd, thank you so much, brother, for, for being on the call earlier. Todd Martin, great guy. All right, so one second. I'm going to scroll through all of these questions here. Uh, good morning, Christina. How are, how are you? Okay. All right, one second. I'm at 841 now, and I'm just scrolling through all the questions. Fred, how are you? Fred wrote, greetings to everyone. Compliments on the new month. Dude, it's December already. It's crazy, man. Unbelievable. Good morning, uh, 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 Lionel. Ho hope you're doing well. Okay. Uh, Dario wrote, uh, hi, Chris. Uh, you're a mate. No, thank you so much for that. Thank you for all, all, all this you wrote. Today's questions, what's happening in your opinion to the Udemy stock? Yeah. And I can't, I can't comment on it. Nobody told me not to comment, uh, but there's certainly a, a bias, right? Because I, I, I'm a fan. Uh, of the company. And yes, I own the stock. Yeah. But I'll never comment from a due diligence or analytical perspective on the company. I, I just, it's just a conflict of interest. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Uh, next question is, uh, do you have an opinion on the XL fleet stock? I, I'm sorry. I've never heard of that company. Sorry. All right. Hey, Raquel. Okay. Next question is from PNG, persona non grata. Uh, is, is, the question is, is adjusted EBITDA the same thing as EBIT. No. Um, so uh, EBITDA and EBIT are different. Okay. So EBIT is E-B-I-T and that stands for earnings before interest and taxes. EBITDA means interest before earnings, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Okay. So you got D and the A there. Uh, also, whenever you hear of adjusted EP, uh, uh, EBITDA, it also means pro forma earnings, meaning non-GAAP which I explain in more detail in my MBA program and my courses. And basically adjusted EBITDA means uh, if you look at, at, at earnings or operating profits, I should say, for, for a company, you only look at the stuff that's repeatable, right? Um, so if you paid a one-time lawsuit, that won't be included, um, that sort of thing. And it's all cash-based as well. And, and the reason I love looking at EBITDA uh, is because depreciation is a non-cash item anyway. Okay, and EBITDA also stands for earnings before I tricked dumb accountant. <sighs> My dad humor is just terrible. It's awful today, or as Charles Barkley says, that's just terrible, terrible. Okay, um, give, me, give me a second here. I'm going to scroll through all the questions you guys had earlier about NFTs. Okay, so Lionel wrote, Chris, I'm really enjoying uh, the personal growth components uh, of, of my MBA program. Thank you. It made me more confident and organized when presenting to potential clients. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Awesome. Awesome. Um, thank you. Okay. Uh, and then Reje earlier on, I was talking about uh, how you have to be careful when it comes to 
anything camera-based um, because these are being used to spy now. It's scary. Uh, but, um, and Rajesh wrote, I, I put a piece of tape on, on my camera a long time ago. Smart, smart, yeah. And I bought them for my, my kids as well. These little things you just drag across the camera at the top of a laptop. Yeah, you can never be too careful. All right, uh, and Rajesh said, I really like today's concept of, of live. Actually, Todd, Todd's the man, he, he was great, man. Yeah, he's great, cool. Uh, and then Rose wrote, great presentation, I agree. Todd is the man, he's the man. All right, give me one second, I'm gonna scroll down here to get to uh, other questions. Uh, Alex P. Keaton uh, uh, wrote here, Alex P. Keaton is back, uh, Michael J. Fox, I love you. You uh, wrote, uh, do you think uh, that the creation of the metaverse will make it so stadiums fewer stadiums uh, will, will be created. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's only a matter of time uh, until uh, gamers, uh, major league gaming and, and professional video gamers make way more money than all professional athletes. And I say that because the whole process of having a stadium built and then hiring people, whoa. It's 11 o'clock, that's my alarm to stop, but I wanna get through these questions, okay. The whole concept of building a stadium uh, is, is so archaic. Uh, it costs you a lot of money to schedule an event, to get the TV rights, etc. very expensive. Um, and then you got travel to and from the stadium as well. Uh, when, when it comes to using uh, Twitch, for example, uh, it costs you nothing to use it, you're up and running immediately. Uh, and so what I always love to do is I love to ask myself questions like this. If if the internet was created first, would we have as many stadiums? No, probably not. I should rephrase that. If internet 3.0 was created first, would we have as many stadiums? No. If the internet was created first, would we have newspapers? No. If the internet was created first before office buildings, would we have office buildings? Not as many. Because the whole notion of going into the city, you know, two hours of commute there and back each day, whatever, it's, it's ridiculous. Do I really need to spend five days a week in the office? You know, it's awful for the environment as well because of pollution when you drive. It's bad for your family life. You don't see your family as much. It's bad for your health because you're traveling so much to go to, to work and back. You can't exercise. Yeah. All right. Um, and let me, let me just scroll through these really, really quickly here because I do have to wrap it up in, in, in a second. Okay. Manos wrote, uh, my, uh, the Twitter CEO, uh, yeah, Jack Dorsey, uh, he left. Uh, it, is it because uh, Donald Trump is bringing his own Twitter-like platform next year called Truth Social? Uh, is it the the weird nervousness that is causing trouble uh, uh, to Twitter? I, I don't think so. So uh, the, the issue with 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 Jack Dorsey, he's a brilliant man, and I respect him. Um, but the issue is that uh, he, from a corporate governance perspective, it's tricky because he was also the founder of he was a co-founder of Twitter, and he was also the founder of Square. Uh, and so him being involved in two publicly traded companies kind of takes his focus away from focusing just on one. And he's got a lot of other pet projects as well, like NFTs on the side, uh, is, as well as his passion for, uh, for, for city architecture, right? Uh, and, and I'm a nerd like, like him when it comes to SimCity and stuff, games like that. Uh, word was he wanted to run for, for mayor of New York City at one point as well. So I think it's good actually that, that he's kind of stepping aside a bit. Now, I can't vouch for the, the, the CTO, the gentleman uh, who's, um, uh, who just took over uh, to be CEO. And I've never actually heard of an instance where a CTO uh, became the, the, the CEO, right? And so CTO is kind of a, 
it's 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 kind of a like CTO versus VP of engineering. VP of engineering does all the tech integration. CTO is kind of higher level strategy wise. I've never seen a precedent for that, but I, I think shareholders will probably be happy about it because finally Twitter will get some innovation. And Twitter hasn't done anything innovative really in the past, you know, five or six years. It, it's kind of stagnates. It kind of like uh, when Microsoft bought LinkedIn uh, back in the summer 2016. They've done nothing with the asset. You know, at least integrate it better into Microsoft Outlook to make Outlook relevant. Um, but when it comes to Twitter, there, there's been so many misexecutions. Um, you know, for, for example, they bought Vine, which really should have been TikTok. And then they just put it to bed. They did nothing with it. Right. And so Twitter is where startups go to die, I guess. Or at least that's been that way in, in the past. Hopefully that, that will change. But from a, 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 from a management perspective, it makes sense to have one person focused all their time on just running the company and not two companies. And when I used to work in the hedge fund industry, my favorite shorts, this is going to sound out there, some of my favorite shorts were when you had uh, the founder of a company, the CEO of a company, buy a sports team. Because then they tend to focus more of their time on other pet projects. I know it sounds out there, but the bottom line is you want uh, the CEO to be 100% focused on running the company. Yeah. All right. Uh... All right. Um, all right. So there's a bunch of other questions. I'm so sorry, guys. I, I do have to wrap it up. Um, I've got um, I, I've got to do my uh, my my gold uh, gold and platinum MBA office hours now, and then a bunch of one on ones with my platinum students. I'd uh, love to have you join us uh, tomorrow uh, and on uh, Saturday for the two day option seminar. Uh, and so what I'll do is I'll end this week's webcast uh, with a quick video of it. Uh, and uh, thank you very much. If this was helpful, click like. And subscribe. You can't click dislike anymore, apparently. I don't know why. It's kind of a crazy rule. Uh, but, but I'll see you uh, next Thursday and every Thursday. God bless you. And I hope you enjoyed today's webcast. Special thanks again goes to Todd Martin, uh, who's one of my platinum students, uh, for, for being interviewed today. He, he was amazing. And for those of you out there that run big media companies, uh, go to LinkedIn and connect with Todd Martin because he's got a great media consulting firm that puts McKinsey to shame called Todd Martin Consulting. Thank you. Everyone needs to understand options, including investors, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and CFOs, because it affects all of our lives. And options can make us a fortune or help to protect us from losing everything. Now, when you invest in stocks, it's offensive as you're trying to make money. But when you invest in options, it's offensive and defensive as you can protect your money as well. And did you know that the size of the global options and derivatives markets is six times bigger than the size of all stock markets. In this course, I will teach you from scratch everything you need to know about options so you can take your investing game to the next level. I will also provide you with many comprehensive and fun to use Excel spreadsheets so that you can thoroughly enjoy, understand, and practice investing in options from scratch with me. Now, I've used options a lot in my career. When I worked at hedge fund giant Citadel, also when I worked at Goldman Sachs in the venture capital sector, uh, and as a student, when I did my MBA in finance from Columbia University, where I humbly got the top grade in my class uh, in my options course. Now, I love to teach based on my real-life practical experience and to make options very easy and so much fun to learn in this very comprehensive course. And no prior knowledge of options or stocks or how to invest is required to take this course. 
as there are three tracks, meaning three different ways to take this course. There's a beginner track, a genius track, meaning an advanced track, and there's also a very comprehensive all track where students can watch all beginner and genius level lesson videos and exercise videos, plus many optional lessons and exercise videos. Now, this course contains hundreds of videos, and there are so many ways to take and benefit from many or all of the lectures in this course. And, and I want you to think of me as your very humble waiter. And when you go to a restaurant, you only order what you're interested in on the menu. Now, in this course, the menu items include everything you need to know about options, as well as many additional topics like how to go long or short a stock or options, long and short as well, or commodities or ETFs, or what are other derivative products like swaps, futures, forwards, and how to do fundamental or valuation or technical-based analysis on stocks and companies, and how to learn statistics and data analysis from scratch in order to take your investing game to the next level. There's a lot to it. I even teach you in an optional section how to use Excel from scratch, as I've used Excel on Wall Street, in the consulting industry, and in the hedge fund industry and venture capital sectors as well over a couple decades. I'm clearly dating myself there. So this very comprehensive options course is several courses in one. Now in this course, I provide you with mini Excel spreadsheets so you can learn everything you need to know about options, including an introduction options, how to value options using three different valuation methodologies. And there's also more than 35 strategies in the third part of this course that we'll create together that use either one, two, three, or four options in a single strategy. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with the basic building blocks of options. And we'll build upon what we've learned together using many very fun props until we have this incredible aha moment and it all makes perfect sense. Now there's a 30 day money back guarantee on this course. So you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. This will be easy and fun and I'll see you in class. Thank you. Well, that ends this week's podcast. I want to thank you very much for your time. If you want to download my latest book for free or get access to coupons on my courses or learn more about my MBA degree program and much more, please visit HaroonVentures.com. Again, that's HaroonVentures.com. Thanks again for listening in.